if Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. Yeah, there goes. The blubbity blah. Sending out good vibes. things about uh, shedding your bono, which is amazing, is that you're capable of this thing called pure love. And people people say that love is, oh, it depends on your person, you know, like for him, love is this, for the her, love is that, and you know, love is a different thing for different people, but I disagree, like. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show, vacation special. I'm down in the States somewhere, hopefully uh, having a good time. We are going to be chatting with Ricard a little bit later from Osaka. He's in Japan. We have a good chat with him about his travels and his philosophy on life and Bono, all sorts of fun stuff like that. Uh, but first, the one and only uh, Graham Dunlop is a sea-saddy star. How's oh, it going, buddy? Sakes. Never going to live that down, eh? Thanks for hey. the jingle. Yeah, no, I'm doing good. Yeah, doing good. This was a great chat with uh, Trip in Osaka. Man, he's been he's done all kinds of stuff, and he was listening to the show, and he emailed in, and we had him on, and it, it's fascinating. It was at this Buddhist uh, Buddhist recovery meditation sort of workshop on you know inventory and stuff, and I was thinking about Bono. I was going to ask the co- the teacher, but I didn't have a chance. No, it seems Bono. like a bit of a different um, way than the sort of recovery Buddhist community. Make sure you're not mumbling. When you go around talking about your bono. Yeah, that's true. Bono. What do you think about bono? <laughs> you get yourself in all sorts of trouble. A bono pick. Yeah. <laughs> Airdropping bono picks. <laughs> yeah. Ricard's great though. He's one of the ones that we never heard of or no one probably most people haven't heard of, and he's just kind of a diamond in the rough that we picked up. Yep. Uh he's an e- actually we've read a few of his emails on the show, if you might remember. Yeah. So yeah, it's a fun chat. Yeah, really. Some good. people have already listened to it because it was the first one we did on video. That's right. So it's some out there already, on the YouTubers already. It's on the YouTubes. So some of you guys have already pre-seen this. Actually, quite a few people might have pre-seen it because a lot of people were kind of excited to go see the video, which in my opinion turned out all blurry and shitty on really? our end. Did it? Yeah, but I don't know if it might have been my internet connection at the time. I'm going to look at it again, actually, when we're done recording so on There's no here. way that internet should be a problem. Well, what I think it is, no, when I was watching it. Oh, and you're oh, you think huh. so? What I'm thinking the problem might be is that it's focused on the Sasquatch that's hanging there, and then we're just like the background, you know? You know how cameras like pick a focal point yeah. and that stuff in the foreground and the foreground. So I think when we put the Sasquatch there, about two, three feet or two and a half feet away from the camera, dead center, 
I think it's focusing on the Sasquatch is nice and clear, and then me and you are... Yeah, but that was just at the end of the thing, wasn't it, or was that... I don't know. I'll have to check. Okay. I remember watching it and being like, wow. (laughs) Really? We're still mysterious, because he can't even really make out any facial features. But that doesn't make a lot of sense, because the other video that I watched was super clear. Yeah. We'll see. Let's just... We'll 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 do a test. Yeah. Let us know what uh, you guys think. About if any of you guys have any feedback, we'd love to hear it on the video, what works, what doesn't, what we might be able to do better. Because I think, you know, we're not doing it every time right now, but we're definitely looking at starting to incorporate it a lot more. You know, if it's not every show, maybe it's every second show or something. We're going to start doing the video on a, on a more regular basis, but we still are working out the kinks. Um, and, and because that'll be easier as well to, to showcase guest content as well, right? If they have a presentation. That's right. Exactly. Like that, so that, that gives us stream that on that, right? Yeah, and yeah. exactly. And then, so we're just, since we set up that capability and we might as well just, we're just going to start turning it on more often. And it gives, opens up the chat room. And Oh yeah, right. So yeah, that would be, that'd be live then, right? So it, it would kind of be like, live chat, it'll open right? up the live and the video, which is kind of the next sort of level or next step. That's right, right. And we also have extra content in the black budget feed. Don't we might as well talk about me. that now. Don't point at me. We might as well talk about that now. Yeah, check out gramerica.ca slash support, guys, because that's exactly how we get to do these sorts of fun things, um, is from people that support the show. So we're able to get a better webcam and buy the software we needed to start doing our, the YouTube thing. Yeah, it's all a little bit of an investment. Every yeah, little step two, along the way. two webcams to do it properly, and yeah. And then uh, we got the, the GoPro and stuff, so we're going to start maybe doing some field stuff. Even just new cords. You had to, you replaced all these little cords, all and cords. That, honestly, I think that improved the sound. Like, yeah. I sound better in my headphones anyway since we replaced cords, which is crazy. You'd think they'd just fucking last forever, but they don't. They're no. always going. So, yeah, we've been able to do those upgrades, get some cameras and stuff like that. I'm going to take the camera and get some shots of the Eclipse and of our trip. So, and so, then it's just something we'll be able to start doing more field stuff now we got that new digital recorder um that that'll help us do we're going to do another some field stuff yeah more controversial stuff maybe some in extra content feed, different yeah, yeah different yeah. types of uh different types of episodes in there so there's eight episodes that are probably nine or ten by the time oh no no still be probably nine episodes in there and we'll put a couple in each month so any, right. any donation amount, I don't know if we talked about this already, any donation amount gets you access. Darren, I'll email, e- Darren emails out the access link every day. Not anymore. Not anymore. Well, if we get a, if we get. Every time we get a new subscriber yeah, donation, so it, you get the link. But that day, like it's not right away. It's not an automated thing that you like receive an automated email no. right away. So you might have to wait like a full day latest. That's right. So you get that. Yeah. And it helps out. It helps us grow. It helps us, uh. Uh, take on new things and try new things. Yeah, it's great when people support the show. Yeah, we can't do it without you, really. No, honestly, if it weren't for supporters, the show would have shut down a long time. There's no ads or sponsors or nothing, so. None of that shit. Yeah. Just our shit. Just ours. Just our rambling. Yeah. Lazy ramblings. Yeah, support the show if you can, guys. We truly do appreciate it. Speaking of that, you can fast forward this intro. There's a timestamp in the show notes, and if you go right to that, uh, it'll take you to the interview with, with Ricard. Yes. That is correct. And that's in every episode I put, actually not in the older episodes, but now I always add the chapter mark so people can just plunk yeah. off to the motherfucking episode. But we can share, but we like to share, you know, listener emails and some of the, our own stuff that we want to get off our chest. Like I got a bit of chemtrail geoengineering stuff to go over oh, with you later. Fuck. Yeah. We're doing that. 
We, I mean, I've, you know, it's time. It's time. Time for another one. Yeah. When do you want to do that? Uh, not quite yet. Okay. I don't think. Let's wait. I'm going to wait on that. Let's wait a little on that. What do you want to do? Let's do, uh, oh. bingo, bingo, social media jingle. Don't forget to rate, comment, and or subscribe to the Grime America newsletter. Bingo, bingo, social media jingle. Don't forget to rate, comment, and or subscribe to the Grime America. Okay, so we got from our buddy Coop W. He's always fucking chiming in. We'll get some shout-outs this week. Where, are, you, says, are you on the YouTubes now? You're reading yeah, troll that's comments? that's really the only place I go for the social media. Well, sometimes you used to do Twitter I, things as well. It's just too much, Twitter. Okay, okay. It's just okay. too much. The Twitter is too much. I could do the Facebook. Maybe next time I'll do the Facebook. I probably have some Instagram ones to, sh- to share, too. Sure. Anyway, Coop W <laughs> says, peace, guys. Peace, Coop. He also says, bullshit. This intro shit is why I listen. Fuck them. You guys rock. Wow. Thanks, wow. Coop. Uh, Jacob Orr, you guys are great. Keep doing what you're doing. Our buddy Ryan Eagleton. I love the intro better than the guest about half the time. Please don't listen to Captain Dogball's breath. <laughs> I don't know any names, but an isolation tank episode would be interesting. Ooh. Of course, we did do an okay, isolation tank episode. I'm going to put a uh, link in the yeah, show notes to that. With Isaac and... I forget. Sorry. Uh, From Float Life. Anyways, they're They're both from Float Float Life. Life. The the owners of Float Life were in here, and we did uh, some experimentation with the lights, the Pandora Star lights as well in that episode. That's a flashing light that helps you reach a deep state of meditation. What else you got? I got one from Instagram. I got here. We got Mikey sounds like yet another member of the, this is from our buddy Atka59. He's been around since almost day one. Mikey sounds like yet another member of the entitlement my way generation. Offspring to me. Generation progenitors. They are young people who not only expect the world to deliver their every momentary need like a nervous nursemaid afraid to lose her job, but they demand it to come in the form of they choose. They were raised on and are addicted to a pablum of free music and software, ample government and parental handouts, a dream of undeserved prosperous career and the entertainment that delivers content as as per their dictate. These ex-soccer field warriors are physically mature, overindulged children who never faced enough genuine challenge in their lives to result in a withering of their parent-installed narcissistic false super person self-image. So now the energy that could be spent on self-development instead explodes in manic forays of repeated bot-like behavior, vain attempts to shape the world to fit their ignorance of it. That's Mikey. That's kind of presumptuous, but... Who's he talking That's about? That's Mikey. Thanks, many young pe- Thankfully, many young people escape the press that formed the shape of this most generation of most of his generation of Western culture. Sadly, two things are apparent. In large part, part what resulted in his character was done to Mikey, and to one degree or another, there's a little Mikey in all of us. Involved personalities are the lifeblood of a medium of transference of podcast presented information. Your intro establishes the human conduit of access to novel data, and thank goodness it is a hallmark of your show. Wow. Love you guys. Thanks. David Whiteford. Wow. Uh, thank you, David. 
What do we got here? Keep introing. Man, I love the conversation you guys have at the beginning. I'm trying to get out of those. Oh, yeah, here's Craig Fowler's. Oh, my God. You guys, how come you always have guests on for like two hours after the show? I just want to hear the intro, damn it. Why has there got to be two hours of this at the end? Ugh, I mean, if I'm saying it, surely there are millions of hardworking patriots who feel the same way and are just too polite to let you know. You need to cut the shit out. Cut the shit, D and G. Show ends at 3550. All sarcasm, by the way. Don't bombard me with butthurt. Um, Thanks, Craig. I'm going to skip out of those. He was on an now. episode once, too. Oh, on the test. We got more comments on the test than we got on the mo- on more. Oh, boy. In the morning, mofos, is that the calf cam down in the bottom right? Actually, the calf cam's in the bottom left. But Graham saw the calf cam and covered it up. <laughs> I got, I busted it. Did I was I, like Sasquatch in the trail cam. What do we got here? Darren, did you catch that? You didn't even catch Sasquatch that. Sasquatch trail cam. Yeah, I was like Sasquatch in the trail cam. You know, I got a sense for that. Well, I'm not going to read that one. Okay, I got one here from Instagram. Okay. This is from 7717 Metal daddy He's been listening for a while. He says, 35 minutes in and Graham mentions the synchro the guy in Thailand is having with the Moai heads and the cover art. Guys, there's something to that piece of art by RPJ. How many people have had synchros, including myself, that revolved around those two oh, heads? Oh, is that him saying he got a 10? That art and you two. That's more, the guy who got a 10. More than me and this gentleman you are reading from at this point in the cast, I would assume. And then he said, he, he, he said another comment after that. It says... 9.42 is not the biggest one. I got a 10 about two years ago or so. I don't remember the 10. Someone's got to send the audio. If anyone remembers offhand what episode it was, I'd like to dig it out. Because that should be like a greatest hit. We should have that somewhere. I know. It should, actually, yeah, it should be. I must have been <clears throat> having a good day. Back to the YouTube we got from Ger- Gerard Thompson. Great to see Gramerica stream live. To be able to watch Darren and Graham both interacting during a show is cool to witness. Your pre-show banter is an integral part of your podcast. Really nice to hear RPJ back on the show too. It's been too long since we have heard his dulcet tones. The igloo looks exactly as I imagined. It looks more cozy than you guys say, but we can't tell how chilly it is. (laughs) Now you've started streaming live. Please don't stop. It's good to see the guest face while they talk as it helps to see their expressions while they chat. Keep on buzzing the internet highways with your electric banter, guys. All the best from Deep Thought. Namaste. Yeah, we might we might try and continue it uh, a little bit. Uh, and then we got Daniel said on the video. He said it seems to lose some of the magic. And, oh, and Mister Owl replied, "Daniel, dude, <laughs> really? As you've listed in the past, did you imagine Graham driving, riding a fire breathing dragon, and Darren abreast a magnificent pink unicorn amongst fluffy pink clouds? Magical, geez! After all, they do it all for you." <laughs> Uh, I think that's all I got. Oh, okay, here's good. another one for Mr. Al. Oh my, how you guys have grown. It seems like only yesterday that you were tinny, tinny voiced little voices in my ear. Now you're both sitting up and talking and even smoking. They grow up so fast. And before you know it, they're out of the nest and growing enormous, bulging calves covered with grotesque pulsating blue veins. Oh, I thought this went quite well, by the way. Uh, from our buddy Felix, was lying in bed next to my sleeping beauty of a wife and had to hold back my laughter when you guys played and reacted to failed C-SETI jingle. Also, it looked like Graham had a little squirt gun at the outset of the show and was pointing it at Darren as a gag. Then I realized it was his finger splint. (laughs) (laughs) 
I was wondering what he's talking about. That's right. Do I point to you quite a bit? Maybe I do yeah, point you at do you point quite a, a lot. And you have a fucking, you get triggered point, with that. I have a, it's a trigger for me. I have a yeah. point at him at work and he flips out. Another one from Craig. Wow, you guys, I didn't even know about the second eclipse. I live about five miles west of the tip of the western corner of Convergence. Between the two totalities, right where the map says 63. Any wow. links to the map. Wow. Yeah. So thanks, guys. We appreciate all the comments and feedback and all that great stuff. Combats the troll stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Helps. Yeah. Ying, yeah. ying to the trolls, yang. Ying to the yang to the young. What else you got, buddy? I got a VFO quote. Fire at will. Oh, shit. You know what? I had one, and then I seem to have, uh, huh, changed it. Weird. So, this is the UFO quote of the week. We had many adventures flying under primitive conditions in the frozen north, but none compared with this. I looked back and saw something that didn't make sense. It was nothing like flying, flying machines of that period. It was hexagonal, flat, and seemingly made out of aluminum or some other metal, with no breaks in the surface and no rivets. At the time, I had a spooky feeling. I can't explain it. It was, this, it was as if I felt the presence of whoever was inside that craft, and the feeling was hostile. Better be careful of those craft out there. That's from Lieutenant Colonel Peter Grunet, Royal Danish Air Force, describing incident in HE-8 seaplane over Greenland in 1932. That's what you're going to see said of yourself, is some mean little aliens. In the hexagonal-shaped yeah, craft. Yeah, you get fucking probed. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. That's why you're not coming out with me. <laughs> <laughs> that expresses. Anybody wonders why? That's why. Because even if you might be joking now in your heart, you probably mean it. <laughs> <laughs> what a prick, eh? Okay. Touche. Wouldn't you accept being pro aliens? If, if it was, uh, it depends. Okay, you're going to be real <laughs> careful how you answer that, eh? <laughs> Had to check yourself. It depends. Good to know. Yeah. Well, now you've got to be careful, because now that that's out there, they're gonna, they've are gonna they already picked up on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now you're a target. You're going to be driving home tonight, you're going to get the fucking... What movie was it where, like, the fucking lights up around his car? Oh, and there's the probably street. lots of them. That's kind of a typical thing that happens, right? Isn't it <sighs> that one? Close Encounters of the Third Kind? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that. When I broke in a drunken rage? Yeah, that one. <laughs> it's still mostly intact. Yeah, we're talking about an album with a glass cover on it. The Close Encounters of the Third Kind on the wall. I got knocked broken. it down every time. Well... Not like there was a lot of times, but the couple times that Darren came to the studio drunk, things got trashed. Every time I get drunk, I end up in the studio. <laughs> yeah, that's like, actually, that's more like it. And he's not recording. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, where you were into your segment? Graham is an all-in-believer in chemtrails. 
right. So yeah, I got a couple clips here. Oh boy. To share with you. I know you don't really like the clips, but I'm going to play a couple. Hopefully my laptop works here. So um, this is from aircraft.org. And every once in a while I get these news items. Of course, you're never going to hear it in the mainstream, but it's chemtrail weather related, that type of thing. So this one was uh, with the European heat wave running for the last two weeks. I compared the temperatures from 2006, three and seven in this latest bout. And the findings are in line with the heat during the summer months, stretching back to the fifties. The media is making this out to be the hottest Europe ever or the hottest ever in Europe, I should say. And they can, then the media of course, conveniently leaves out the cooler temperatures around the boundary edges of the heat in central Europe, which are cooler, you know, cooler than normal. So I got a little clip. You want to listen to it quickly here? We'll yeah. See. In the media, but they forget the periphery areas that are below normal temperatures. And as these hot and cold air masses mix together, 270,000 lightning strikes. This heat wave is supposed like to be the heat wave that beats all heat waves. Let's look at the top 10 European heat waves since 1950. Even taking a look at the heat waves of 2003, 2006, Paris 104 Fahrenheit. Then we look at this heat wave temperature map. Paris not even anywhere near 104 degrees. And it follows as well the European heat wave of 2007. They were registering 113 degrees, and none of those temperatures on the map even get close to that. But what is happening in these last couple of weeks is amazing supercell formation over areas that don't generally get tornadoes or supercells. This is the size of hail coming down. And if it's smaller hail, these it's are Italian like beaches. Baseball size hail. And notice the glaring discrepancy between temperatures here on this map. There should be so a variance in North Africa, there. but it's just shows that one. And then this is interesting. This is a CERN climate scientist confirms jets dumping aerosols in the atmosphere. So basically, like, this Department of Defense publishes a chemtrail manual as well for pilots. Really? Yeah. Huh. That's back in 1990. And it makes it clear that the term chemtrails is not a conspiracy theory. Chemtrails. Were there spray in the shit? Although not intended to show classroom pilots how to release chemicals into the atmosphere, the Chemtrails Manual provides indoctrination and teachings, teaches the essentials of atmospheric chemistry as basis for carrying out the operations to engineer the climate. And this goes way back. So I'm going to play a little clip here for you. And um, I, to give this talk uh, on cosmic rays and climate, and I have to say right at the outset that... Um, I'm not going to be providing answers in this talk. I'm going to be providing uh, questions and uncertainties. This is the CERN scientist. Stimulate your interest in the subject, but uh, I certainly won't be providing answers because I don't know what the answers are myself. And this is from 2009. Let me uh, tell you uh, why aerosols are important for clouds. Every cloud droplet has a seed inside called the cloud condensation nuclei, nucleus. When you increase the number of uh, CCN inside a cloud, you increase and keep this, the water content brighter. In other words, spread the water over more droplets, it bright, its brightness increases. So it becomes a more reflective cloud. That's one aspect. The second aspect is that it actually rains out more slowly. Clouds rain out because droplets start to condense, uh, co coalesce when they get big enough by gravitation and then they drop out. If you spread that out over more droplets, the cloud will stay longer. Now, there are very, there's plenty of evidence that large regions of the climate are lacking sufficient aerosol to form clouds. 
Contrails are a, a well-known example of that. These are not smoke trails. These are clouds which are seeded by jets dumping aerosols into the upper atmosphere. Uh, okay, so he shows a clip of, he's showing on the, on the screen that there's different types of like cloud formations, and there's one that looks like chemtrails, of course, right? And he's saying these aren't, certain, isn't like, you know, like smoke. This is... Chemtrails. This is dumping, jets dumping aerosols. I mean, you you know, it could be taken that he's just talking about fuel, like normal condensation from fuel. I don't know if condensation is the right word, but it sounds pretty suspect. Why would he say jets dumping aerosols if he just meant normal, you know, leftovers from is it burning fuel? Aerosol? What's the description of an aerosol? What's uh? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll play the rest also of it. Also, very important. These are ship tracks. And this is a huge area. This is the north coast of America. There's Alaska. These are ship tracks over Alaska, and their clouds being seeded by, by uh, extra aerosol. Now, in particle physics, we do know that charged particles can form condensation seeds, but we have to say instantly that this is a non-natural condition. This is where we generate several hundred percent supersaturation. So he's saying it's a non-natural. I mean, it does sound suspect. These are not smoke trails. These are clouds which are seeded by jets dumping aerosols into the upper atmosphere. So we've got physical chemistry, a system of colloidal particles dispersed in a gas, smoke, or fog. A liquid substance is a disinfectant or deodorant sealed in a metal container under pressure with inert gas or other activating agent and released as a spray or foam through a push-button valve or nozzle. As an adjective of or containing a liquid or gas under pressure for dispersing as a spray or foam. Yeah, it's getting pretty crazy. I've got a um, a page open here and it's got the chemtrail manual, but then it's also got uh, NASA scientists confirms that there's different kinds of chemtrails. Hey, you started saying NASA, right? And then, did I? And then there's another one, even a document from NASA using historical use of the term chemtrail. Or, sorry, it's NASA's his historical use of the term chemtrail. So in here, it's talking about, you know, in the middle of this document, some chemical aspects of upper atmosphere research. And he's saying the physical chemical trail extended from an altitude of about 89 kilometers to 113 kilometers. So, I mean, again, that, that doesn't mean it's intentionally a chemical trail, but that could mean, you know, maybe they're just talking about a natural chemical trail. Suspect. So let me play a little clip here as well. This is the audio of the NASA scientist confirming there's different. Oh, you're back. Okay, ready? Ready? Okay, let's try and get this clip thing right. The cord. See, I don't know why this cord doesn't work properly in this lab. Is it the cord or the, the uh, jack? I think it's both. Okay, here we go. Doug Rowland is a heliophysicist at NASA who answered the phone on a citizen complaint about sounding rockets releasing lithium into the atmosphere. The following excerpt from a recorded phone call is common sense evidence that chemtrails is an accepted term used by NASA scientists to describe deployment of chemicals into the atmosphere. In these chemtrails, there's different kinds of chemtrails, as you probably know, different trails at night we use and different trails during the day. No, it's been done in the 1970s. It's been done in the, recently in the 1990s and 2000s. Yeah, it's very important. We, we, we communicate what we're doing to the public. We're very interested in making sure everyone knows what we're doing. We're not, um, we're a civilian space agency dedicated to science and research. Uh, 
make sure that the taxpayers know what we're doing and everything. So we heard Dr. Rowland voluntarily use the word chemtrails without fear of being called a conspiracy theorist because chemtrails is a logical contraction of chemical trails, just as contrails is a contraction for condensation trails. In fact, the caller is not complaining about chemtrails at all. She's calling NASA to complain about lithium being released by rocket experiments. It's Dr. Rowland who used chemtrails to describe the release of lithium. So let's look at the reasons why chemtrails is a real word and not a conspiracy theory. Number one, the Oxford Dictionary defines chemtrails as, quote, a visible trail left in the sky by an aircraft and believed by some to consist of chemical or biological agents released as part of a covert operation, unquote. Number two, in 1964, NASA and the Virginia Academy of Science used the term chemical trail to describe the release of heavy metals into the atmosphere. Number three, the term chemtrails appears in House Resolution H.R. 2977, sponsored by Representative Dennis Kucinich, where chemtrails was defined as an exotic weapon. Number four, the United States Air Force Academy used the term chemtrails in 1990 as title to a chemistry manual for future Air Force pilots. Number five, in 2013, NASA heliophysicist Douglas E. Rowland used the term chemtrails to describe the release of chemicals in a sounding rocket experiment. <clears throat> the following is a copy of the original audio featuring responses by NASA heliophysicist Doug Rowland. You back the recording that. Do you want to hear this? When I called NASA I think that's yesterday, good. and I spoke with someone in your Washington D.C. office. Let's just hear this. You're just going to keep playing it anyway. He's going to denounce his citizenship and go back to the Philippines. Okay. That's what I was told by NASA yesterday when I called. Okay. Directly you from you your office. That conversation with their knowledge. Uh, well, I'm sorry. Did you record that conversation with their knowledge. Are you recording my conversation with that knowledge, sir? No. I'm sorry? No, I'm not recording any conversation. You're not recording any conversation with my knowledge, and NASA isn't either, and you can't get through it anyway. You want to leave a message, it rings and rings and then hangs up on you. Same with Wallop Island. So I would love to leave a message there. Could you give me a direct... uh... I think I played that one a few couple years ago, or maybe a year ago. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds... Yeah, I remember that, dude. Way to repeat yeah. yourself. Yeah, sorry. If you're in the show. Well, anything else on this vacation special? We already did our spiel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did we? Yeah. I think that's about it. Hey, I've got some extra UFO sightings and trip reports and stuff. We can save them for another episode. Yeah, we'll save them. We'll do, we'll do a bonus show when we get back. A little vacation roundup. See what happens. Yeah. See how the show goes. See how the vacation goes. Well, I'm on it now. Hopefully, I'm having a good time. I'll be back in a few days. Back to our regular rotation next week. Support the show, guys. Share the show. Tell your friends. But most of all, enjoy this chat. Card. It's Ricard. Tripping in Osaka.
welcome to our first live video feed podcast, I guess. Hey, Darren. <laughs> Tonight we've got uh, Ricard from Osaka, Japan, and Red Pill Junkie from, I don't know, somewhere in the center of Mexico. And uh, I think you, you guys might have heard me reading, uh, reading Ricard's emails um, from Japan, and uh, it was pretty interesting. He's been listening to the show for a while, so we thought we'd have him on. So, uh, well, welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome back, Red. It's been a while. Yeah, how long has it been? I don't know. It's been like more more than a year. Yeah, it's been over a year. We're gonna do an intro after this, and we'll really get into all that. Okay, but welcome back. Yeah, it's good to be back. Welcome to the show, Ricard. We're happy to have you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's kind of surreal to have listened to you guys for so long, and then kind of um. Be speaking to you live. I'm sure everybody says that though. <laughs> not, not very many. <laughs> no, most, most people have never heard of us, so we ask them to come on. But actually, if you stick around, yep, if you stick around uh-huh. and listen, yep. that's one of the best parts of the show. Actually, is having guests that, that uh, we have on. They they listen before or after, and uh, sometimes they keep in touch for a while. It's cool. Yeah, I've, I've been introducing your show to a lot of friends of mine. Get really good responses, so it's definitely uh, there's something. If they know about it, you know, it's definitely something that can catch on pretty quickly. It's an awesome show. So is that like expat type friends or are you talking about Japanese friends too? Um, so Japanese friends, probably yeah. Japanese, not uh, their English is not good enough to, to follow it, but yeah, expat friends, friends back home, um, mail my family a lot. Um, I'm sure they're all listening to this. So yeah, a couple in particular, I mean, like there's, there's episodes that definitely touch bases with people that have particular interests. So whether it's like, you know, evolution or whether it's like um more spiritual stuff you know there's the stuff that connect with people that i know specifically so i'll just send that to them and it's um yeah it's helpful stuff it's helped me a lot back home south africa back in south africa as well yeah um you know so i i, I was uh born in south africa but um i spent about 10 years in america as well hence the accent and then um yeah i mean uh, i've got family in london i've got um yeah, I had family in India that I lived with for a while. I've been in Asia for about 12 years. Um, so, yeah, you know, mix and match of people all over the place. How long have you been in Japan for? Um, so after, after I graduated from university, uh, you know, I just kind of got, um, got into the idea that I could work as an English teacher and um, kind of uh, have three months or so paid holiday throughout the year where I could travel. And then kind of come back, renew my visa, um, you know, work a little bit and quit my job. When you renew your visa, you get about a three-year extension. So you can kind of quit and go off for like a year or so and travel and come back and, you know, just kind of pick off at, an, at another job, renew your visa again and just continue doing that. So um, I lived here for about 11 years, but it was kind of continuously using it as sort of a, a podium to travel from and um, just kind of a place to relax and chill out. It's, it's, it's very easy to live here. It's very comfortable. There's no threats. There's no stress or anything like that. So occasionally you need to travel and get out there just to kind of like, um, you know, wake yourself up, I guess. Yeah. But, it's, um, it's so much easier to stay in the moment when you're traveling to new places, right? It really is like a, it's a constant uh, sort of, you need a new like awareness. Right, 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 right. So, I mean, yeah, you, you get stuck here. I mean, the, this place is so systematic. I mean, it's kind of like a, um, it's kind of like a hospital in a sense. It's just sterile, and um, you know everything functions perfectly. And um, you know, it's just you know kind of 
created in the in, in the sense where you know you've paid your money, so you're going to get your regular food, and you know there's there's no stress or worries or like anything out of the order, and it, it'll make you crazy. You know, if you if you spend two <laughs> consecutive years here, you'll go crazy. So you got to get out. You got to get out, and you got to use it kind of as that that platform to. And I, you know, I've got great friends, and I, you know, there's a lot of good things about it too. But you you definitely have to get out. I mean, I'm sure there's places in the world where you could continuously just chill and it'd be fine. You have a good rounded sort of mix of like. Um, friends, nature, um, you know, community, things going on. But yeah, Japan's an extreme, extreme place. Is it hard for the millennials though? Is it hard for younger people? You mentioned you're doing some one-on-one coaching and teaching with people. Right. And there, is, there, is, it, is it easy for you because you come from somewhere else and is it harder for, for the locals there at all? I, I can't even begin to tell you how hard it is for them. It's, it's, it's never been, I, I, in my guess, from what I know about history, it's, I don't think it's ever been harder for uh, a human being anywhere ever in the, in the in the entire history and course of humanity. I, I can barely imagine it. The, the people suffer, man. They suffer. In Japan or everywhere? In in Japan. Japan. Is being it, raised so in this is, institution. It's Is it the same as like, because um, I'm not really too into how it is in Japan. I'm not too knowledgeable on that, but I know I've talked to a few right. people from Hong Kong and they they're just like, it's fucking crazy. Like you don't even, you don't, you go, you go weeks and weeks, you don't even see grass or anything. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a different, it's a different thing. And uh, it's a different type of, yeah, I guess, I guess I'd have to go into the history of it a little bit. I mean, I guess if you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. But, let's um, do that. Absolutely. Um, well, I mean, I guess, I guess it can go, I guess it can go pretty far back, but, um, uh, uh, there was once on your show that, that a guy came on, he was talking about the education system and how that sort of um, that Prussian model had been kind of adapted throughout the world. And in, in a lot of places, that Prussian sort of education, militaristic, like where you pump out soldiers, basically. Yeah. Mm. So um, coming off the end of the Middle Ages, where um, Europe was thrown into the dark by basically i don't know the holy roman empire or the sort of like the position of the catholic church at the time just you know completely overriding taking advantage of everything and um you know coming on to the to the to the renaissance um and you know martin luther kind of stamping that that notice on the, on the door and the prince and press spreading the word that you know like maybe we need a bit of a revolution here and um having that sort of renaissance and that sort of age of light and then coming into the napoleonic wars where napoleon um had basically taken over Europe and, you know, the Prussian people said, shit, well, we need to uh, create a system here that produces better soldiers because um, these people are a little bit too romantic. They don't necessarily want to fight for us. So um, it came up with that sort of Prussian model, that education system that, that pumps out really good soldiers. And they pumped out such good soldiers that they decided to take on the world, basically. And you, you get, you know, the First World War and... Um, at that time, places like Japan were looking at that that soldier making system and thinking, "Shit, we need that." That's exactly what we need, and they directly adopted that Prussian model into Japan in the Meiji era. And um, Japan produced such good soldiers that um, they took on what Russia, China, Korea, uh, Vietnam, uh, Philippines and Indonesia, they took on basically all of Asia and dominated them quite easily because they had such good soldiers from the system. And, uh, you know, eventually losing World War II, you would think that they would change the system, right? Because you don't need soldiers anymore or 
you know, they weren't even allowed to have a military, you know, technically after after that. But we're here 70 years on and that original Prussian uh, soldier factory is untouched. It's exactly the same. And, um, you know, when you produce a soldier who is willing to, like, fly their airplane into a uh, aircraft carrier or like into a ship and just die for some emperor that they've never met before. I mean, you're, you're dealing with are soldiers humans. I mean, like, is it, I mean, are you actually alive at that stage or are you just completely, you know, functioning at the women dependency of, of some sort of institution, you know, like. Um, and, you know, I've so, always wondered. Yeah. Sorry, I would interrupt. So that kind of system uh, that was so good to produce soldiers, what you're, I yes. guess what you're saying is that. Yeah. It was still adopted in order to create uh, people who will fit perfectly in the new capitalist, uh, Western-oriented uh, corporate system, kind of like what you see in, uh, I don't know, in no the novel like Michael Crichton, Rising Sun. Sure. This, with Sean Connery, Wesley Snipes, in which they show... Uh, Japanese corporations as this kind of like almost like still using the same uh, feudal system, you know, with the the with the with the shoguns and the samurais, right? You know, and, and workers are 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 supposed to have this like uh, perfect allegiance or loyalty toward the corporation, like thinking of the corporation of the company. Before thinking sure. of themselves. Like, uh... So, yeah, exactly. And essentially, I mean, this system was so good at creating soldiers that I guess the soldiers kind of, um, you know, died or whatever, or lived completely towards, I guess, the emperor or the aristocracy at the time or, you know, the empire as a whole or. But you wonder, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people that's kind of of the belief that, you know, after after those world wars um, that in the sort of institution of, of, of um, corporations that I believe that corporations are became kind of a living thing that, that we created living things that, um, mm -hmm. that the, the soldiers were essentially created for the empire, but they were there to be used by somebody, by something. And, and what was using them? You know, what was, what was using these soldiers They were being basically uh, led through this, this factory line and, and created to be, you know, soldiers for a war, but there's no war anymore. So, okay, but the system hasn't changed. They're still being, you know, produced in the sense that they will just follow orders and they'll just do whatever you want and they're completely manipulated, easily manipulated. And um, and so you would say, okay, well, there must be people at the top. There must be some sort of aristocracy. There must be some sort of leadership that are just like um, using these people for their own benefit. And um, they're living in some sort of state of bliss, you know, because like they're just have all this freedom and all this financial freedom. And they're just like using all the cogs in the machine for their own will. But I don't see that either. Hey, I mean, I, I teach the presidents. I teach the um, CEOs. I, I teach some people in these incredibly wealthy families that. And they look pretty damn, you know, stress ridden. And um, so, you, you know, it's, it's like that whole universal law, like energy isn't, isn't created or destroyed. Is that correct? Um, so if, if, 
the cogs in the machine are not working for the, the you know the presidents or the, the the CEOs or you know the the top of the sort of corporate line and if you could you know essentially even kill a president or kill a CEO and the company still survives and the corporation still continues and even when the corporation gets kind of weaker you know another one just absorbs it I'm, I'm like struggling to find out like why corporations aren't living at this point, like why they're not like some sort of like giant amoebas that are just like, oh, they are. you know, <laughs> they are right. I mean, they're living. Yeah, there are living entities. I don't know. If, have you, are you uh, familiar with uh, the work or the podcast of Christopher Ryan? No, His podcast no. is tangentially speaking. I highly recommend you, you find it online and subscribe to it. And I think that many of the things he, uh, he proposes, and he will also propose in his upcoming book, Civilized to Death, speak exactly about what you're saying. You know, like, for, for, uh, like for example, there is this meme of the, uh, the robot revolution, right? You know, when robot machines will, you know, uh, rebel against humans and take over the world. And his right. idea is that that has already happened. Only those machines, those non-living organisms are called corporations. Our corp corporations have become these living entities that are kind of like self-serving. And humans are only like a part of the system that, that man, uh, are served to maintain them indefinitely. Because, you know, like uh, companies are pretty much immortal organisms. You know, their, their founding fathers will, you know, die or they will be taken over. Well, but the company is supposed to live on indefinitely. I mean, sure. people who run Coca-Cola are never thinking, well, you know, Coca-Cola at one point will, you know, cease to exist. No, <laughs> they right. think that it will be served, uh, you know, forever and ever, you know, a, a thousand well, years in the future. You know, whatever. Even if one person in Coca-Cola does think that and, you know, they try to make plans to say, you know what, screw Coca-Cola, well, you know, we want to we want to create some sort of independent free enterprise that doesn't have yeah, to, yeah. you know, constantly grow. You'll be fired. You'll be taken over by somebody else. Exactly, as well. So exactly, it's, it's a completely. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it's, it's hard not to see. I mean, they are, okay, at this stage, look, they're living they're, We have living things that are growing us, essentially. They were growing, yeah. you know, corn to feed cows that, that feed us that, you know, that essentially we are living. Uh, we're. In, completely dependently on, on, on corporations, essentially. But um, yeah. it reminds me of the evolution of institutions. It feels like uh, as, as soon as they get to a certain size, they're unstoppable. You know, they, they, they just they have a life of its own and they keep going. Like, so it's not as if there's people, you know, at the top of these. Well, I mean, I don't know. I struggle with that. Is there an intention to do what they're doing? You know, there's, you know, we're, we're basically no, being poisoned. I don't think they have. I mean, if the. Uh, Christopher Ryan again says, you know, maybe if, if the CEO of Exxon woke up you know, one day after, you know, taking a heroic dose. heroic heroic dose of mushrooms, you know, or having an ayahuasca experience in Costa Rica or whatever, and woke up and said, my God, we are, you know, destroying the planet. You know, we need to change. Exxon needs to, you know, switch from fossil fuels to renewable energies, you know, and if he just mutered that to the next uh, meeting of, of stockholders, he will be fired, you know, like almost immediately. Sure. So it's not conducive to, to the preserving of the, of, the, of the entity that is the company. But um, the one thing that I think I've discovered, 
And it's it's so it's so easy to be incredibly frustrated by this and kind of pissed off because you you feel like you're completely manipulated and your life is completely dependent on this stuff and it's just impossible to break free. You know, like like if you feel like you're a part of this corporation, it's 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 like no better than say your finger being attached to your hand, which lives completely. You know, its existence is is completely and entirely for you. You know, it, it doesn't run off in the middle of the night and have a party with other fingers. It's just there. It's stuck to you. It's completely like dependent on you and it's easy to feel like you are you know basically the finger of a corporation this is completely dependent on it and your entire life is just like unmanageable but i think there's a way out and i think it's i think it's easy to look at corporations like monsters but Mm. essentially they're living things and i'll agree with that but they're not necessarily monsters they're just these living things that we've created that are just um not like yeah not purposefully wanting to hurt anything but just kind of yeah and I think that we can live independently from them. And I think that there is a very, like, you know, very st- structured sort of way of removing yourself from it and not necessarily, you know, taking that much flack for doing it. You know, I think I think you can live independently of it. But like getting off the grid? Um, not even, not even. Um, so it comes back into that, uh, what I emailed you guys originally. I emailed you about a Japanese word called bonno. Yep. And uh, mm. bonno is essentially what, what Buddha shed in order to gain enlightenment. And uh, bonno is um, basically anything that inhibits you from, you know, we have these natural forces like, you know, we're, we're, we're naturally, we want to survive. You know, if a car comes at us, we jump out of the way because we, not because we're scared necessarily, but you, you have the survival instinct. We have an instinct to breed, you know, uh, we have the sense of community that we want to be amongst each other, you know, these, these instincts basically that, that are the same as living things. And through civilization, um, we've kind of gone away from other living things and we've, we've, this is basically the attachment of our bonno. Bonno is the thing that gets in the way of you, your happiness, essentially. It's the one thing that, that keeps you locked into a system and it's about systematically destroying the bonno. So when you, you know, when you read about Buddha, he would, you know, have gone on hunger strikes or he would have given up, you know, all his, you know, uh, his wealth or he would have lived on the streets or he would have gone through all this stuff. This is the direct attack on, on, on Bonno. Um, so as in, in a modern day society, we look at our, um, our desire and our, our jealousies and our angers and our shames and our embarrassments. We think that's normal. We think we're just, you know, this humans are born like this. This is what makes me unique. This is my personality. This is just natural. And it's so not, it's just ridiculous. I mean, it might be some sort of social engineering to make us believe that those things are normal, but they're certainly not. And they're not something that you'd have to deal with. Like, or there's certainly things that you can defeat and things that you can get over. And the second we start looking at all, I mean, I don't want to repeat the jealousies, desires, and all this stuff over and over again. So I'll just say the bonno, but mm. all of those things, they're all connected together and they are all um, overcomable easily. Uh, easily, and I wouldn't say necessarily easy, but they are overcomable and they shouldn't be looked at, at, at as, as something that you just were born with and something that you have to deal with and that the, you just can't overcome and that you must just suffer with for the rest of your life. I think you know, they're very overcomable and that, that we should be directly attacking them you know, from, from one day to the next. Um, so that's, is that like what Connor Habib was talking about on our show where you face your fear, you know, like whatever you're really afraid of, if you, sure. if you sort of you know, tackle that, the, that it can get rid of some bono. Connor, Connor is, 
uh, you know, he's, he's an amazing person. He's got a, an amazing way of looking at things. And, he's, you know, his brain works so well. Um, mm-hmm. And um, we, we, differ, we differ a little bit. I mean, he's, he's got a sort of a mar- magical spiritual sense of things and, and, and all that sort of stuff. I mean, it might be true. I don't, I don't, I don't really know that. What I, what I know is that in my life, I've looked at really practical, real ways to attack those bono. So, um, you know, I have a lot of people when I talk to them about this sort of stuff, they say like, well, you know, if I want that Louis Vuitton bag or, you know, if I want this item and, you know, I want that, I want that. And then I buy it. It's happiness. That feels good. Like if, if, if I if I don't buy that, then I'm not going to feel happy. And the kind of analogy that I use is that um, say say you're walking along and a mosquito bites you. And if it bites you, you get itchy. Right. And then you scratch it. And um, scratching it feels good, definitely. But surely having it never bite you feels better or is mm-hmm. better. Surely you mm-hmm. prefer that the mosquito never bit you. We, we tend to think that, that scratching that mosquito bite is happiness. So mm-hmm. like um, having that jealousy means that you love somebody. Or um, you know, having that, that, that embarrassment means or you know, that shame of your, of your nudity feels like you know, when you get nudity, then you, your heart beats a little bit more and that makes it more exciting. Or wanting something like a Louis Vuitton bag and then buying it and you, you, know, you feel so happy. No, this is, this is, this is the result of a negative emotion of, of becoming itchy, for example. And then you scratch, but you're just fighting to get back to zero. What I'm talking about is existing in a plane that doesn't have any of that, that where you don't have fear, you don't have shame, you don't have embarrassment, you don't have things like guilt or pride or all these bono that just get in the way of you and your happiness. And um, I've got a lot of people who a lot, a lot of students or a lot of a lot of people that I talk to say, well, you know, there's meditation or, you know, you can go climb a mountain or you can um, you know, go for a great hike or travel or something like that. But I see this as ignoring the bono. I don't see this as tackling the root of bono. Like if you go, if you build up a, you know, a large amount of stress on your weekly basis and then you go climb a mountain every weekend, yeah, you can get back to zero. I get that. But you're not, it's like, it's like if you have pimples and you put pimple cream on the pimple, you're not necessarily fixing the source of the problem, right? You're just oh, fixing the right. pimple itself. And yeah. I look at, I look at, sort of climbing mountains or going on these massive hikes or something like that, or this, it is stress relief. I get that. And, you know, like somehow it makes life bearable, but um, meditation as well. Like I would see it as stress relief, but also maybe it's useful in the sense that you could target the bono better. You know, it's, you could, you could sort of reflect on what your, where your bono is. But um, I think we know what our bono are. I think we're very aware of what our bono are. And I think that we need to tackle them directly. And I think that requires getting a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you this mean? Is the, this is the part that I really like. So um, my, my suggestion to everybody is to do, to think about what's logical in this world, to think about um, where logic lies and what's illogical. So for example, um, to be, embarrassed about your nudity is that logical like does that somehow help your life is being afraid of a cockroach logical does that somehow contribute to your happiness does um you know having um like you know feelings of like you know that macho thing where i'm this guy you know and i have to you know appear to people in this like sort of strong sense or you know like these these feelings i guess it's related to pride maybe does that help your life is that a logical behavior and to go through your day and think about how many illogical things you do, like that don't contribute to your happiness, that don't contribute to, uh, that nourish your life, 
and to go through and attack them. And I would say in order to attack them, say, for example, the cockroach, if you're scared of cockroaches, pick the fuckers up, you know, <laughs> like pick up like 20 until you until you until you're not scared anymore. I mean, if it's a, it's a if it's a massive fear, I'm not saying we all have you know particular bigger fears. If that's your biggest fear, maybe attack something else first. They are all connected, so you can't attack all of them going indirectly. So if you are, say, afraid of rejection, like go out on the street right now and get rejected immediately. If you um, have this sort of macho thing where, you know, like you feel like you need to be, you know, appear in a certain way in public, go wear women's clothing and walk down the biggest main street right now immediately. I mean, your, your happiness relies on it. And um, you go to extremes to attack them because it's, it's about not, not accepting illogical things in your life. Like, you know, we have a very finite time on this earth and we might believe in the afterlife and you might believe that, um, you know, it doesn't really matter what I do now because there's going to be an afterlife and they'll be happy then. And that's fair enough. I mean, if you're a spiritual person and that's what you believe, then that, that's okay, you know, and then you can just kind of like, you know, waste this life a little bit or just kind of chill out right now, you know, and then enjoy it later in heaven. And I, and I hope that works out, but I don't, that might happen and it might not happen. I'm not saying it, it is or isn't, but I, I kind of want to enjoy what life I have right now. So I'm going to make whatever efforts I can to make sure that I'm as happy as possible, like on this earth right now, you know, in, in this lifetime, in this like finite little time that I have. So no bars held, man. Like I, I go out every day. And if I have a sense that like I have some sort of irrational fear or irrational jealousy or irrational sort of anything, I attack it like um and I think I've attacked it to such an extent that I, I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but there's not much left. And every inch, every every step of that path that I've taken, it's so rewarding. It's just amazing how good it is. It's so good. So how do you get to the point where you recognize that stuff, though? Because, I mean, I'm, you know, half the time I'm walking around in a daze. I mean, isn't there a sort of uh, awareness or meditation that has to come first in order to gain some sort of awareness of that? Like how you're feeling and to even recognize those thoughts? Like I can't even drink enough water during the day. Never mind about, you know, rec not, not never mind about recognizing like where my, my bono is. Well, I mean, can you, can you go out on the street right now and talk to a complete stranger and feel completely comfortable doing that? Can you uh, get naked in front of people and completely uh, feel comfortable doing that? Can you call your parents up right now and like be a hundred percent honest about everything that you do and everything that you think? Can you, you know, approach your boss and just like, you know, just have it out. This is how I feel, you know, or, I'm not necessarily saying to do stuff that really, you know, detriment your life. But attack it where you can, because I mean, you come on. I mean, you're aware. You're aware when you get nervous or like, oh, I'm embarrassed, and you know, and you shouldn't be embarrassed, and you shouldn't have, you know, any sort of shame in what you're doing. You should well, be able to be completely a, honest about what you're doing. I'm doing a podcast with Darren, though. That's <laughs> hard. I'm constantly I'm, I'm being here to test I'm you. Constantly being bonoed here. <laughs> Bonoed, bent over and bonoed. <laughs> yeah, I think I think like, look, there's a lot of people in this world who might think, hey, you know, like I'm not that scared of things. I'm not that you know shy. I'm not that embarrassed. I'm certainly better than my neighbor or something like that. But you know, let's see how far that path goes. You know, see how far. I mean, would you really be comfortable in women's clothes at at a bar in downtown Calgary? I mean, could you could you handle that? Like, could you, it's not Halloween. Could you hold an, Or if I was drinking. Could you hold, <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know if you, we all have our hangups, man. It depends what your hangups are. Like, I don't know if you, if you have a thing with, with gay people, I suggest, you know, holding another man's hand and walking down the street. You know, if you have a, a problem with talking to women or something like I suggest go out and talk to 10 women today or, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what everybody's, but surely 
you know, we all have stuff. We all have stuff. And it's all about attacking that, I think. Yeah, how no, much I, of a, I like that. How much of that is like um, going inward maybe and figuring out, you know, what your triggers are, you know, for lack of a better word. That word's been fucking hijacked. <laughs> Um, sure, but I mean, do, do you really not know what your triggers are? I mean, surely you know, like, what you're scared of or what you're shy about, what you're embarrassed about. Do you have jealousy? I mean, are you comfortable with your wife being completely free and capable of doing whatever she wants to do? Like, you know, that like, there's they're all connected. They're all, they're mm-hmm. all, you know, like, I think everybody knows what they are. And if you don't, yeah, then reflect or, you know, trial and error, you know, go out and do something a little crazy and see if you can do it, you know? Yeah. Not, nothing that gets you arrest, arrested, but like. Well, it just seems like weird. it just seems like so much of the so many people are kind of broken. You know what I mean? Like it just seems like, um, and I mean I, I I'm on that list too. But I mean I've gone to a little bit of counseling here and there, and, and at least scratched enough away to be able to start to notice that break. You know what I mean? And then you're like, right? Then you know about it, and you're like, you can start noticing the way you act. And I mean, some of it is subconscious until you can sure. kind of pull it out and be aware of it. And it just seems like when you multiply that by like 500 million people, that's what you've got walking around North America right now. It's yeah. a bunch of people that haven't dealt with, you know, they're just bottling things up and, you know, everyone's having these same, you know, for the most part, I'd say all these people are having the same sort of thoughts and impulses and everyone's kind of ashamed to talk about them and, I mean, well, it's social engineering as well, right? We're socially engineered to kind of have that sort of shit. The bono is what makes you a slave to the system. The bono is mm-hmm. the string that attaches you to the system. And if you want to get mm-hmm. off, it's about cutting it. And we like you don't you might not necessarily know where all your shit is. But like, I mean, you might know where a couple are. And when you attack those, it opens up other windows and, you know, and then that opens up other windows. So, I, you know, you don't necessarily know where all your issues lie. But 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 taking one step at a time and attacking whatever you can attack, you know, Every day, like every day, it's like good, as soon as you can. It's a good episode. I'm this weekend. I'm doing a refuge recovery. Like this, the speaker's coming from LA. To, he's one of the founders of refuge recovery and works for Against the Stream Buddhism and stuff. And I'm doing like a four hour inventory workshop where I gotta like look into all the shit that goes on in my head <laughs> and all the shit I've done and like actually like do some work on it. So that should be bringing up lots of bono. <laughs> <laughs> but like what what would what would they suggest you do about it like say that bono does come up do you meditate on it like do you like, yeah you that's a great it? that's a great uh yeah probably um i mean i think writing it down is one thing so you so you're writing it down you're you're meditating right. on on bringing it up and then writing it down and i think just that part of acknowledgement and writing it down is a good step in releasing some of it i think oh definitely definitely I, like i'm definitely not knocking meditation or anything like that it's just that I, in, in my life, I think when I was younger, I was in the military for, for three years and um, in, in military school, I should say, and kind of a harsh one. And I kind of, um, I don't know, I, f- I figured I, I had a bit of a hard you know, upbringing and it created so much stress that I was like, fuck this, you know, like I, for me to have to think about my future right now is just impossible. So I'm just going to convince myself that I'm going to die when I'm 30. Yeah, I was going to ask you and about that. I, mm. If if I can somehow get to thirty, like I think I've won, you know, like I I, I thought that I'd I'd win somehow, and um, it just it cleared the path for me to do what I wanted to do, and to make sure that I wasn't like slowly tiptoeing about, you know, and I don't even want to say it's like self improvement because a lot of times that can just sound like masturbation, but I mean it's like, <laughs> um, but nothing just, wrong with that. Make, 
make, oh no, fine. Absolutely fine with that. But, but absolutely like, like making sure that I didn't take care of this shit later or I was like tiptoeing about it, but like attacking it and making myself sure that I could, I could be as happy as I possibly could and do all the shit that I wanted to do before I was 30. Like just really go for it. And, um, yeah, it's like, it's like, you know, meditation is going to help and writing shit down is going to help, but nothing, nothing is more fantastic than wearing, you know, women's clothes walking down the street, you know, and having that, that shame on your face and that embarrassment or like, or, um, or, jeez, I mean, like, or, or anything, like whether, whether you have issues. Well, it could be, like a, it could be like afraid of, afraid of heights and jumping out of a plane. I mean, sure, I, I do, sure. I do think that that's sure. a great way to, to deal with this stuff. But I mean, uh, do you know who Alejandro Jodorowsky is? No, no, I'm, I'm not that well read. Unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> Don't worry about it. No, I think that you, uh, you have managed to figure a lot of, a, a lot of shit out without reading books. <laughs> okay. So Alejandro Jodorowsky <laughs> is a, a very interesting character. He's a, he was born in Chile. I think he's living in, in, in Paris right now. So he is a, kind of like a crazy, uh, Film director, you know, he he uh, uh, filmed a lot of uh, you know uh, classic or cult, or cult uh, movies like uh, El Topo and Montaña Sagrada, Santa Sangre, and and he's also a lot very interested in things like the tarot reading and all, and, and, and all that stuff, and he coined a term called psycho magic. So his idea of psychomagic is kind of like what you're proposing here. It's kind of like something of a shock therapy that involves uh, magical thinking, theatricality, and, and performing something in order to elicit some kind of change in the person. For example, I think that uh, I once uh, heard, uh, heard him on a radio show here in Mexico uh, that a woman came to him, you know, because she was, uh, she had a, she had a problem that she was, uh, terribly shy and to the point that uh, it was a real, uh, detriment to her life, her social relationships, whatever. And, uh, the recipe that he gave to her was kind of something like this, that he advised her to go and invite everybody she knew, like, her family, friends, uh, co-workers, you know, acquaintances, neighborhoods, everybody she could to her home, apartment, or whatever. And once everybody were gathered there, she will uh, stand in front of the whole assembly, take off her clothes, and then, you know, turn around, bend over, and show her, show everybody her ass. <laughs> exactly. Exactly and, and, what I'm talking about. Is that crazy enough for you? <laughs> I, I guarantee you, you will be cured for life of, sh of your shyness. So, so people, people might people might say that that's radical, unbelievable. But but what's radical is living with that stress for the rest of your life. No, I mean like one action to take care of it all. Yeah. 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 Remind me of something that I myself uh, did. You know, I'm also ha happen to be a very reclusive, very uh, timid person. And in 2012, I went to the Paradigm Symposium in Minneapolis. This is when I, I met, met these two characters for the first time. <laughs> and what I did was something kind of like, a, something that I'd never 
would have done before this. I went there and I presented myself in a luchador mask. Okay. <laughs> kind of like a, the, the, make, making a fool of myself. But it turned out to be a really liberating thing. And I, I remember being in the, in, in the hotel foyer, you know, thinking, ah, should I do this or shouldn't I? You know? <laughs> and then I was like, fuck it. You know, I'm here in a country where nobody knows me. You know, so if I make a fool of myself, so fucking what? And I went right. there and it was great. And everybody was, wow, you know, and, and, and kind of like <laughs> created this thing, you know, of, of the red pill junkie with a luchador mask and all of that. And I think that, yeah, you're, you're, I think you're into something that, yeah, meditation and all of those things, they can, I think they can help up to a point. But there's sometimes when you need to do some kind of like, definite action in order to cure you for, from those uh, vices or those fears that, like you are arguing, is, are feeding your bono. Sure, sure, sure. And I mean, why not? Why not? I mean, like if, you, if, if, if you're not going to get arrested by going outside and complimenting 10 people right now, like going onto the street yeah. and saying, oh, you know, nice hat, sir. And oh, you lady over there, wonderful shoes. You know, like, you know, you're not going to get arrested. Right? I mean, like, why not? What do you stand to lose? I mean, like you, you could you could gain so much, and you're not going to lose anything from it. And your heart's going to beat, and you'll feel like a little bit um, dizzy, perhaps. But it's it's liberating. It's it's absolutely wonderful. Like I mean, and there's, there's so many biases. There's so many ways to attack. It's great. I mean, like like I mean, you could go to like a Britney Spears concert to the you know the, the push your way to the front and just dance your ass off. You know, <laughs> like, whether you like it or not, just force yourself to it. Fuck it. You know. Yeah, like, dancing came up for me right for now. Dancing and singing. <laughs> I'm a phenomenal dancer, so I don't have that problem. <laughs> I've seen you just stand in the middle of a dance floor with your one arm up in the air and just twirling around. That's all you're doing. That's my much. move. <laughs> That's your move. I, That's do a, move. <laughs> I do a pretty good hip rattle, too. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, de definitely dancing, definitely getting in front of people, like singing out on the street, just doing anything that's completely absurd. Yeah, getting completely crazy on, on, on a day to day right. basis. And it's, you know, there's also like management expectation which is such an amazing thing as well. But like if, you know, I teach these lessons and a lot of them are like corporate lessons and I'm supposed to go in there with like a suit and a tie and stuff like that. And I go in with like a tank top and, uh, you know, beach sandals and, <laughs> and I'm, and I know what I'm doing and I'm, you know, I'm quite good at what I do and I'm, I'm very confident about what I do and I'm friendly and I'm kind and I'm smiling, but like immediately I'm just slamming all the expectations that people have of me. And it's like, and it's starting, you're, you're, you're creating a completely clean slate where people can be like, well, you know, like if, if you were to, you know, dress up really nicely, you know, like people might have a very high expectation of you and you might suffer a lot from that. You know, if you're always the nice guy that says the right things, that's always, you know, behaving correctly and doing, you know, things according to how people think you should. I mean, it's, it's, it's an incredible way that's of expectation. <laughs> yeah, I'm too politically correct. Why you? Oh, yeah, you. <laughs> no, but I, I, is there a part of that that you believe, Darren? Or no, you, no, no, you're just no, being, no. You're just being sarcastic. I was just being sarcastic. Oh. Yeah, I, I tend to say the most inappropriate <laughs> things all the time. My wife sometimes yeah. just looks at me and shakes her head. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> as long as those inappropriate things have like relatively good intentions, as long as you're trying to make people laugh, I never, you know, never really comes off that bad, you know. And it's, it's, you know, one of those things about uh, shedding your bono, which is amazing, is that you're capable of this thing called pure love. 
And people, people say that love is, oh, it, it depends on your person, you know, like for him, love is this, and for the her, love is that. And, you know, love is a different thing for different people. But I disagree. Like, surely love, the very definition of love is just wanting other people to be happy, you know, like wanting what's mm-hmm. best for them. Like, and okay. that's it, right? I mean, if you have a kid, you just want your kid to be happy, right? No matter what, you know, and, and the- if you can just purely love everybody around you, like just, you just genuinely, you want nothing from them. You have no expectations. You just genuinely want everybody around you to be happy and just, you know, whatever's best for them, you know? And if you can really feel that, it just comes back double. Like, I mean, people are just so receptive and they're just, they, they, they soak it up and your life just gets so much better wow. and um, your relationships get better. And yeah, Th- this that's is a what, really great benefit. This is what the guys in the chat room have been talking about. Grim steak and uh and these other guys darren and they even That's talked right. about Check on the, cruising on the with steak cruising with steak on their podcast too they were talking about love right the, how powerful love is and they've been just going on and on like every morning he's in the chat room love you guys love you guys and it's not just he's not just saying that he's really trying what you're talking about here right love is the most powerful thing right it's either love or fear well yeah it's like it's like if you go to you know these these scientists that travel around the world that study happiness um you know I've actually spoken mm-hmm. to quite a few of them but they you know they spend time in Bhutan they spend time in Africa and they you go to Africa and it's like it's nothing but dance songs there's no like emo shit you know it's not like depressing sort of like radiohead songs or anything it's nothing <laughs> but like dance songs you go to like the Philippines or Thailand and it's just nothing but love songs and it's like well why 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 is that happening and these these people they go around and they study that and they come together and like the conclusion without any doubt is community is is if you have a good sense of community i mean we're community we're monkeys right i mean if we if you put a monkey alone it's suppressed if you put a monkey with like its tribe or whatever with its group then it's happy and i mean with a with a with a bare minimum amount of food and a bare minimum amount of water and you know what shelter whatever your basic uh, population dynamics like if you have community you're happy that's it period and um you know if we recognize that and we understand that like our only source of happiness is going to be each other. So then you have to just smash away any barriers from you being with other people. And like whatever prejudices you have, whatever embarrassments you have, shames you have, prides you have, you just need to attack them immediately and just like love everybody as much as you can because it's like your only chance of happiness. This this road that I went down, whatever direction it led, was just wanting me wanting to be happy and me figuring out the most practical and sort of logical path to that happiness you know i'm not fucking around with like i'm not going off on tangents to try to get money first or like trying to like you know get security first or something like that no i wanted to walk as directly straight at happiness as possible and that's all about destroying those barriers and that's it's all about the bono and then it's all about the pure love it all ties in together and it's all about just being able to like i said purely love the people around you and, and destroying whatever barriers there might be between you and doing that yeah, but so I think can you cheat that we- can you cheat that by just hanging around with people you love for a while and like slowly bringing other people in one by one? Well, the thing is, if you only have a couple people, like it, it depends how many people, like if you're relying on, 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 on a couple people for like, you know, your satisfaction and love, it puts a lot of stress on them and, it, and it's a lot of stress on you as well. It's a lot of expectation and, and responsibility. So like as a communal person, you're going to want to spread that out as much as you can. So like you're not desperately reliant on, on whatever few loved ones you have. This whole isolation of the family unit is not human, really. I mean, we, we were tribal. We've been tribal for 99% of our existence, like, and having like those friends and having those groups of people to yeah to spread that out a little bit is, is definitely a good idea okay let's talk about this uh, let's talk about uh, our tribal um history and, and our sense of community because i think one of the problems with uh, community is that it tends to break down 
after a certain amount of number. Like, uh, I don't know, there's a thing called the Donbar's number. 150. Yeah, 150, 150 people is like, like the maximum amount of people that you can, like, you can handle uh, in your social circle. And up, uh, after you go beyond that number, it becomes uh, an abstraction that you really don't give a shit about about mm. those people. You know, it's like it's a problem with living, you know, in, in, inside a, a small community in which everybody knows each other and, you know, everybody tries to treat each other, you know, nicely. And if you see someone, you know, throwing garbage into the street, it, it wouldn't happen because everybody will notice and say, oh, you know, look, mm. Ricard, you know, throw, a, 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 you know, a, a can into the street and, you know, everybody will say, oh, you know, Ricard, you don't do that. And you wouldn't mm. do that. But if you're living in, in a city like, I don't know, Osaka or yeah. Mexico City, you know, I mean, 20 million people living here. And if, you, if someone throws something into the street, nobody says anything because chances are you will never see that person ever again in your life. So right. that is something to consider that how uh, I think, I mean, I think everything that you have proposed so far, I think it's great. Uh, I, but I think that there, there may be some caveats here that we need to take into consideration in order to try to more effectively, you know, take you advantage of it. Do you mean like 50 people that you kind of just vaguely know or like 150? Because I mean, if you've got 150 yeah, friends, then I'm yeah. jealous. Like, that sounds awesome. 150 friends. I mean, like I've, I've got I've got a community of, say, like uh, 30 or 40 people that I see regularly that I really like. And I consider myself quite lucky. But like 150 is a fantastic number. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and we live in a, in, a, in a generation in which people will say, oh, my God, I have like 5,000 friends in Facebook. <laughs> well, that's the no, other part of this is really. that that's the other part of this is the digital part. Right. So that is that, you know, the, the happiness that you're talking about. People are searching that without knowing it online. And that's how the, the you know, we're getting so polarized. Right. As we all we're all finding our little online communities. And searching for that, and do you think that that's going to be part of the answer then? Well, I, I think that like reducing the bono is going to take you away from those online communities and 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 take you towards very real relationships. I think you might search for those online mm -hmm. communities if you accept the bono because it's you, you would only do that. It's 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 a, look it's a very, it's one way to have a relationship. I'm not saying it's it's not a relationship, but there's so many more rounded relationships, and you wouldn't have any inhibitions from from taking advantage or, or, or going into those, those rounded relationships, you wouldn't necessarily go towards the internet. You know, you would, you would do that because you were a little bit shy or a bit embarrassed or had a bit like issues. So, so I think that, yeah, no, it's, it's very important to have very real relationships and not the digital relationships. And I think that those can help as well. I'm not saying that they're bad, but you're definitely going to want more of the, that FaceTime and that time man, that, 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 that man to man time, you know, like that, that, um, face-to-face -face time yeah because especially i don't know for people like us in the in this podcast world and and our listeners and stuff like we part of the reason why this is all attractive to us is because we we don't have a large community around us that we can talk to about a lot of stuff i mean that's why we we even started this to have these interesting conversations and so the online thing seems to be helping a little bit at least people find some commonality with definitely, you know with like-minded people yeah I know. Um, yeah, I mean, it definitely helps. I mean, I get a lot of satisfaction out of this as well. For me to become like come home after work and, and lie down and listen to these podcasts is great. You know, and, I'm, you know, you can't rely 
completely on your community all the time. So whatever sports and hobby you have, or, you know, if you, if you like to go for a jog or do some yoga every now and then, or listen to podcasts, I mean, that all helps. It, it's all great, yeah. but um, you, you can't replace, you know, that, that, that face-to-face sort of community with it, but you know, it definitely helps. And it definitely is, is, is great. It's too. like warm up. The online community can be your warm up to get the courage to talk to her. <laughs> Because then all of a yeah, sudden you have all these online friends and then your confidence gets up a little bit. And then the next thing you know, and you're on the <laughs> bus next to Buddy and you're like, hey, man, nice shirt. Boom. He punches you. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Exactly. So how does this connect again back to the original thing about, um, you know, the, the basically the corporate slavery and that type of thing? So how, how do you connect the removing your bono and addressing these things like in this extreme way sure. you're talking about with with separating yourself from from that uh so i can only soldier I, maybe I, can use, I can use my life as an example because i definitely grew up in the soldier world in a very real way but um okay so you know i i might have done corporate jobs before and i might have been like you know you know a kind of a slave to that institution at some point and um removing my phone nose like kind of gradually got me out of it sort of indirectly by choosing what I wanted to do and being able to, to not have fear for choosing what I wanted to do. So, you know, if I was sitting in, in a, at a desk job or wearing a suit or, you know, that sort of thing, and, um, you know, I wasn't happy with myself or for me to go out there and attack those Bono directly, like eventually it was like, well, why, why am I doing this? Like, you know, I would just quit that job and I would slowly gravitate away from that and gravitate to what I really like doing. And um, if, so if you look at my life right now, um, I wake up, you know, kind of whenever I want to, but usually at around like 10, 30 or 11. And then I, um, I do kind of yoga and exercise. I have to keep my body, you know, relatively good because I'm not like, I, I do modeling about three or four times a month just because they need foreigners in Japan to kind of, um, you know, for whatever role, I could be a father role or I, it could be more like, you know, fashion or it could, it could be anything. But, um, yeah, so that's about half my paycheck is from, from modeling and that sort of stuff. And then, so I guess I have to, I have to exit it. it, it what I'm going to tell you right now is the sort of pessimistic way of looking at it is that I wake up in the morning and I, I have to exercise and then I've got to eat healthy food because, you know, I got to watch my figure. And then I got to ride my bicycle around the city because it's good exercise and it's burning calories. And then I teach all day uh, with all these students. And um, then at night, I sometimes work at a bar. So basically, like I, I go to bed late at night and I've been working all day. Or even if I don't work at the bar at night, like I still go out, you know, with my students afterwards, which is kind of work as well, I guess. Um, so technically, you know, I'm working from morning until night without stopping at all. But like a, from my perspective and from what I consider the obvious perspective is that I wake up in the morning, you know, like kind of whenever I want to. And, you know, I, I love exercising. I love doing yoga and I love the food that I cook. And I'm, I'm so grateful to be able to have the time to cook and cook what I want. And then I consider all my students my friends because um, I don't leave anything on the table. Like I'm very honest with them. And I, I, I tell, if they ask me about what I did, I tell them exactly what I did. And I feel very open with them. And because I'm such like I'm so out there, they feel comfortable as well. So they've all become my friends, my very good friends. So basically, I'm paid to have conversations with my friends in you know, like random cafes or restaurants throughout the city, which I love doing. And I love riding my bicycle every day because I have no health insurance. I've got no uh, monthly bills, mortgages, loans, uh, no connections to any sort of bank. I mean, it's all cash business as well. So uh, I do, I mean, I have one bank account, but, um, and, uh, but besides that, I mean, I don't have a lot of like things tying me to, to, to the society. 
And then afterwards, when I go to the bar job, I mean, I chose that job specifically because my friend's the owner and it's awesome working there. I absolutely love working there. And it's just, it's cool to be able to hang out with the customers and just talk to people. And then the other days that I'm going for dinner with my students and stuff after work, I love doing that too. So it's like from morning until night, I never have one moment where I like, I wake up and it's like, oh man, I have to do this today. Or, oh shit, like, oh man, I really didn't want to have to do that, but now I have to do this. Every morning and every day of my life is just happy. It's just, it's exactly what I want to be doing. And I take, I have, I work for myself so I can take off as much time as I want. So I go traveling about, you know, three times a year. And, um, and, uh, like, for example, like my living expenses, like I don't necessarily make a fortune. I mean, I make it right. But um, for my living expenses, like I live in a share house with my friends. So I get to live in this awesome place that I really want to live in in a good part of town. But because I'm sharing it with my friends, it's it's great. It's, it's awesome. And like I don't have the privacy issues or embarrassment issues. So I love living with them. It's awesome. And um, I have a relationship that's um, not tied around jealousy where I'm completely free to do whatever I want to do. And she's completely free to do whatever she wants to do. And that allows me to um, not necessarily place a lot of stress on her or on myself or uh, feel a lot of responsibility or guilt about anything. I can just, you know, in 2017, we have condoms. It's fantastic. You know, like you can just be free. <laughs> you don't have to like, you know, uh, you know, impregnate somebody, or give somebody a disease or, you know, you, you can, you can, just be happy and open and honest. And look, in 2017, there are a lot of stresses and there are a lot of issues that we have to deal with. And I'm not saying that that's not the case, but there's also a lot of advantages as well. And it's, it's, about, it's about leaving yourself open to realize which windows are opening and which ones are closing and taking and going, you know, allowing those open windows to, you know, and taking advantage of them. And like, oh, in 2017, women are free and they uh, have rights and they could do whatever they want. And like, so can, you know, all sorts of races and people. And so finally, we're free. And it's about taking advantage of that, you know, and um, and in, in some ways we might be inhibited and have stress and have like uh, responsibility with these phones and technology and devices and corporations. And yes, we might suffer a bit of slack there, but um, the places where we are free, we should be definitely taking advantage of that as much as possible, because that old sort of marriage paradigm and monogamy paradigm and a lot of those sort of, you know, you know, uh, antiquated sort of uh, Calvinist sort of, you know, religious ideals just aren't really applicable anymore and don't necessarily need to be taken heed to. You can just be a little bit more free right now. And I think in 2017, it's nice to take advantage of that. You have to. For a limited Sorry, a time only. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why you can, man. Do you think, yeah, do you think it's, do you think this is like, sometimes I think like even being able to podcast and shit is just like, you know, it might seem, and it might last my whole life yet, but, you know, I feel like a part of me feels like, you know, in a hundred years from now or 200 years from now, people are going to look at back at this as being just a little glimpse of what freedom, of freedom yeah. and, you know, sure. individuality and, you know, and it's just all going to go to collectivism and. Sure, potentially, but I mean, like, also I mean, looking, looking out your picture... window gives me a pretty scary picture of collectivism. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. But like I said, there's always going to be windows that close and there's always going to be ones that open. There always will be. There's always to, to make yourself adaptable as possible so that when when the ones close, you realize that. And then you're also going to realize which ones open. And and if it ever, you know, comes all comes crashing down, I'm not afraid to die, dude. I mean, I've had an amazing life. I'm not I'm not scared to die at all. But but uh, but that being said, like I, until that happens, there will always be ways to take advantage of things. 
And, you, you know, you don't have to be, you know, pessimistic about things. And, you know, even looking at the future is kind of illogical anyways. I mean, we only have now. And I mean, it's all about taking advantage of now and sort of preparing yourself for thinking about the future. I mean, I mean, I'm not that well read, but like, you know, a lot of the, the great thinkers, I mean, that's that's something that they immediately, you know, propose to everybody is that like, look, you should live in the now. You should just think about now and just take advantage of now as much as possible. Yeah. Whatever advantages you have afforded mm-hmm. to you, just, yeah. Live yeah, right now and, and maybe even attacking that bono and getting rid of that bono for somebody might be like keeping that corporate job you know maybe just a whole new outlook on sure. on the way that job is uh you know it could change all that but it could still mean you stay in uh yeah, you know a similar yeah. thing maybe you're just happier but doing they, it yeah there should there should be no reason why you, you you couldn't look forward to it every day i mean like we're all curious you know adventurous human beings i mean even if it is a corporate job like look if, if it's so strict that you can't enjoy yourself. If there's no possible way that you could possibly conceive of enjoying yourself, then yeah, you should probably get out. You should go work at McDonald's and live in like, you know, some crappy share house with five people and like, you know, somehow get by or something like that. But if, if I mean, a lot of our jobs, there are ways that we could just like, we, we put the stress on ourselves a little bit. Like, so by reducing the bono, you're able to see a little bit more clearly about how even the lifestyle that you have right now, you're able to enjoy it more. Yeah. Yeah. So what about the other expenses you talked about having minimal expenses? I mean, do you have the same stuff as us as far as like, you know, your cell phone, your internet and cable and uh, insurance and all that kind of stuff? Or, I mean, I know obviously you don't have. Yeah. The wonderful thing about work, the wonderful thing about working for myself is that um, it's, it's a tax write off. <laughs> Everything I do is a tax write off because it's like my cell phone is for my work. Right. And, um, but, but you still have to pay like, those expenses. I mean, you might not have to yeah. pay, you might not have to pay taxes on that expense or whatever, but I mean, you still have to pay them. Right? But if you're, if you are working for yourself, if you're like kind of, you know, a sole proprietor or whatever, and you're able to like, look at your cell phone bill and like, you know, a lot of your expense, like going out with students and stuff like that, or you know, the stuff that you eat with students or, you know, your transportation costs and stuff like that. If you can write that off, it makes a big, di- like, you might be earning a fortune on a monthly basis on paper, but then like you're with your tax and how much it comes off. And then there are these insurance payments and blah, 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 blah. Like it, it ends up cutting that, that, that monthly paycheck down massively. But if you are able to be independent and work for yourself and then like sort of write that stuff off, it makes a big difference. And, you know, you don't really need to earn that much throughout the month to really, you know, have to pay for that. Like it's surprisingly like how much gets subtracted from your paycheck. Like if you're somehow stuck in a corporation that has also like, it's, it's like the corporate insurance that's incorporated as well. And you know, whatever taxes and other crap, you know, like somehow being like involved in that institution. Yeah. I mean, you end up with very little, like even if on paper, you, you think you might be earning a lot. Um, yeah. Or your expenses like are said, through the roof. Yeah. That happens too. Yeah. And like, I mean, like, yeah, my living costs are cheap, but I also like, you know, if you live with people that are your friends, you I mean, you tend to go out a little less. You, I mean, I still, I still go out, but I don't necessarily go out in the same way. Like we all cook together and like, you know, like it's, it's nice to cook together. I don't have to go out to restaurants and stuff like that. And as, as much we, we, I mean, that we take advantage of like, I mean, go to beaches and parks and have picnics. The cool thing about Japan is it's very free like that because it's so much on lockdown on that corporate scale. Like people like, you know, walking within the cracks aren't really looked at. So like you can drink outside anywhere. You can sit anywhere. You can go anywhere. You can do anything like it's I mean, as especially as a foreigner, it's like, well, you know, that's his culture. We'll just let him do his thing. Like you're so outside of their lives that somehow existing in this foreign country is like the ultimate freedom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love racism. In is that it sense, easy to know? get like, into Japan? I know a couple of people that have ended up there. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, like if you, I mean, anybody could teach English here. It's and it's and it's great. I mean, you don't necessarily earn as much as you used to. Like the the average wage has gone down a lot, but you can come here and you, I mean, you can really be free. I mean, you're not going to be beaten up. There's no like angry asshole that's like you know spent like 20 hours in a gym and like he's coming out there just looking to like take out his rage on people or anything. Everybody's nice. Everybody's nice. Everybody's so you're polite. not uh, being looked down on the street as being the guy gene. You might be, you might be, but like, so what? You know, like even, oh, oh, Kaijin, or oh, he's stupid, so he doesn't know how to do anything. Or, you know, even if that, so what? Like, I mean, that affords me an incredible amount of freedom and, and reduces mm. a lot of expectation. Mm, you know, yeah. Not all racism is, 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 you know, is bad for me. I, I don't know. I don't know if somebody else suffers from it and, and, and different types of racism. But in the racism in a sense that like, oh, you know, he's a foreigner, so he's an idiot. He doesn't know how to do anything. And we're just going to let him do his thing. And if he wants to sit there in the middle of that park on that, okay, on that you know, yeah. yeah, you know, like we're just going to let him do that. And he, you know, he can ride around, just, you know, wear his tank top and his flip flops because, you know, <laughs> he's a foreigner. He doesn't know any better. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. When I first yeah. moved to Calgary, I kept the Ontario plates. And I actually reinsured my vehicle back in Ontario again because I figured the Ontario plates, I had them for about a year and a half because I figured I'd just get away with a little more, you know, hey, oh, sorry, I cut, cut you off or, you, you know, I was learning. You mean when city. you get pulled over and you're like, oh, yeah, hey. I'm from Ontario. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Sorry. <laughs> it didn't seem to work. Yeah, managing expectation is a beautiful thing. I mean, if, if, if I could study one thing, like, you know, intensely from somebody who was an expert, it's about managing expectation. It makes life a whole lot easier. Mm. You have some, like, some baseline tips for managing, like, obviously <laughs> showing up in no suit was one. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, it, it all ties in with the whole getting rid of the bono thing. Like, if you're, if you're capable of, like I said, walking down the, the street in women's clothes or something like that. You've destroyed everybody's expectations. You know, it's, it's, about, it's about doing crazy things. It's about, it's about being a little bit crazy, but within logic. Because like I said, I mean, we do more illogical things that we think are normal on a day-to-day -day basis. Like, like, like I said, like, if I, wearing a suit, I mean, where's the logic? And, and, you know, like, I understand that it's a corporate rule or whatever, but in the greater sense of things, or like, um, or like, some some fears or inhibitions that we have or some like uh biases or prejudices that we have i mean there's no logic in them whatsoever so it's like it's about the more honest and more logical you are the more crazy you'll be perceived and that's good mm -hmm. but as long as you're within that logic and reason then you're not hurting anybody and people will actually kind of respect you for it like more than you think probably I think there's something about being your true self as well that shines like without living, without living in that fear and having, you know, follow, you're obviously following your path the way you're supposed to and you're living in your truth. And I think that it does resonate. It's not scientific or anything like that, but I do think that that rubs off on people. Yeah. It's also, you know, it's about happiness. Like, I mean, if you're smiling every day and if you're, if you, if you emitting like a positive energy and pure love, I mean, like, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, people are kind of happy to have you around, eh? no matter who you are. Like, you know, even if you're a bit crazy, and you know, like I said, the more kind of crazy and out there you are, the more you just kind of get into who you really want to be. It's like, yeah, they might not get you, they might not think that like you're a positive example or anything like that, but they love having you around because you're positive and you're smiling and you're, you know, you're you're helpful and you're kind and and you know they think you're original and different and it definitely rubs off. Yeah, yeah. That's good. They don't. They, 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 they it, don't want to talk to you, but they say have a good feeling about you. <laughs> no, they definitely want to talk to you. <laughs> they definitely want to talk. To yeah, you. you're kind of like uh, taking the, the the role of the court jester. 
you know, the court jester is the only yeah. one who can speak truth, you know, and tell it to the king like it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's yeah, afraid yeah. to do that, but since you're the court jester, you know, you have that freedom. Ah, well, he's you know, he's kind of crazy, you know, so you know, nobody sure. like in that seriously, but that yeah, that gives you a certain freedom, you know, and the, 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 in, in the Native Native American uh, cultures, you know, the Navajo and all those others, there, there's the uh, they have this uh, uh, character of the sacred clown. She's the one that is, his role is kind of like to kind of like disrupt tradition a little bit, you know, go into the rituals and, you know, make, make a little ruckus, you know, and sometimes, you know, like not beat, beat people up, but, you know, like kind of like annoying people in order to try to, uh, I don't know, not the sacralized ritual, but to try to show that taking things too seriously is not really the true path towards, uh, you know, spirituality. You know what I mean? Yeah, look, I mean, doing, doing, taking things seriously, and, and if you really looked at those things, even if they were serious and somehow they were illogical and like they didn't necessarily benefit your happiness, but yeah. I think it's what they are logical towards and who they are benefiting are those corporations. So it's tying into that. It's about mm -hmm. being independent and making decisions that for your own happiness. It's like if anything that you're doing that's illogical is definitely benefiting. Like I said, the whole energy is not created or destroyed, right? It's 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 benefiting somebody. And that mm -hmm. somebody just happens to be corporations. So it's like either do you wanna, you know, spend your day from morning till night, you know, you know, and, and your your energy do you want that energy to nourish you or nourish a corporation, basically? Sure. And, yeah. But, uh, uh, let's uh, kind of like uh, touch upon a, a few things here, you know. The, the kind of freedom that you are enjoying right now in Japan, you know, and, and, and the way that you are, uh, like, living your life. How do you think that someone who is in, a, you know, in a marriage with, you know, a couple of kids... How do you think they will be able to try to to? That's a tough one. Get rid of the that, bono. That that's a, that's, a, that's a tough one because um, once you've already created the foundation of a, of a marriage that's based on sort of you know traditional principles of like you know you're wearing the wedding band and I'm yours and you are mine and we own each other and and that that sort of that that might have been okay I don't know 200 years ago but it doesn't seem to be sure. possible anymore because you know now. Women are independent and equal in society, and the whole concept of you being somebody else's and you know belonging to each other, and there just seems less reasons to want to restrict one another. Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, you know, whereas before they might have got pregnant or you know something like that. Like now we can, you know, we don't have to suffer those same sort of. Um, so, so in the middle in the middle of a marriage to say like, hey, by the way, now I've decided that um, you know we should be free and uh, we should uh, you know like not have jealousy and we should not have this possessiveness and um, you know uh, yeah, look, it's gonna it's gonna take convincing for some and um, mm -hmm. for me it was lucky in my relationship because I started off like that from the very beginning. I said this is how I believe and this is how I live and you can take it or leave it. But um, you know I. And I, it's worked tremendously well for me. Uh, to, but that was like, like I said, from the start, in the middle of something, but to have like a conversation with your wife and, and, and say, look, the world changes. Every 50 or 100 years, the way we look at things changes. And the, the reality is that the world is changing and the environment is changing and everything's changing. And that you could either be a forerunner 
you can be somebody at the head of that that's thinking like originally and it's thinking ahead of you know everybody else and like as it, as it changes and i think that that's your real chance at happiness in this world because if you're a straggler if you're somebody that's listening you know and living you know under a sort of more traditional paradigm like it's 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 just going to be harder i think so you need to be adaptable essentially and if you can look at your partner and say, look, I love you and respect you, and, I, and you can look at the world around you and, and whatever, whatever situation you're in, I mean, without disrespecting anybody or anything, but kind of like say, look, you know, like I think, I think the world is going this way. I think um, society is going this way. And um, I want to leave myself as adaptable as possible to take advantage of what's good out there and not suffer as much about what's, what's, what's potentially bad about this new change. And um, adaptable, it's, you know, it's about being adaptable. And it's about saying, yeah, like, look, first we're gonna attack these bono as much as we can. I refuse to be jealous my whole life. I refuse to be angry my whole life. I refuse to be shy and ashamed my whole life. And then once you start attacking that and the, the windows that open become more clear and I think, you know, it's, it's one step at a time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Baby again, steps. again, I, I'm recommending to you to to go and check out uh, Chris Ryan's work. You know, he he has a podcast, tangentially speaking, and he also wrote Sex at Dawn. You know, which I think that you yeah, know, it sounds like it's right up your alley. Yeah, with okay. These things about polyamory and and these uh, uh, relationships and how you know, basically, his argument is that uh, back in the days when we were hunter gatherers. Uh, this idea of monogamy was not the way that these uh, ancient uh, uh, men used to behave themselves. That sure. monogamy became something that was installed after the agricultural revolution, and sure. it's kind of like something that is not really natural to 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 the you know human animal. Well, it might have existed in a very short blink of our existence. If you put human existence into like a, a, the time of a movie. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. amount of time of monogamy wouldn't even last the credits. Like it's 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 a very like like Conrad yeah, exactly. would say it's incredibly perverse. It's like the most exactly, perverse exactly. thing in society. Yeah, yeah, something to that effect. Yeah. So it's uh, look. I mean, in in under, under those environment under those conditions, maybe that made sense at that time. But um, it's not going to make sense forever. And we are going to change. We are going to adapt. And, and and it's about looking at your environment and figuring out what makes sense now the best. But um. You know, without having to get that onto like some sort of mathematical or scientific level, I think like, you know, uh, once again, the best thing that we can do is attack those bono mm -hmm. right now. Go out there and attack those bono and everything else comes to comes into play. It will make sense. So I know I know you, um, you know, you had this revelation of you wanted to do everything before you were 30. But then along that journey, you tried stuff like ayahuasca and fasting and detoxes. And yeah. You had all this. You had all this, all these experiences. Was there any of those that stand out to you to be like uh, shifts or awakenings or anything like that? Um, or was it like um, this gradual sort of thing no. into into the bono? Like I was, I was, I think I was already well kind of down the path uh, when I did ayahuasca. Um, I think, I think if you are incredibly bono ridden, it, you, I mean, you might just shit yourself and cry and scream and you know. Like it might be a horrible experience for me. It was this like wonderful experience where I sat in the jungle and I was rained on and it was just beautiful. And, um, I, you know, uh, I, before I kind of went on this journey, a lot of the acid trips that I had were a little bit darker. But after and the mushroom and acid was was the, the, the trips became a lot more just beautiful and clear. And um, 
you know, I just wasn't suffering from as many like sort of internal things. So I think the experiences mm. were pretty, they were really nice, but I don't know how revealing they were. What is revealing for me, and like I said, it's it's not necessarily that the fasting makes perfect sense, just as you know, just logically. You know, we 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 come from a time where three set regular meals doesn't really exactly. make sense. You know, <laughs> it doesn't really make sense as far as human beings are concerned. But uh, look, we we don't we don't know exactly how human beings were, you know, ten twenty thousand years ago, and um, but we can guess. I mean, we can look at like chimpanzees. We can look, uh, you know anthropologists so i mean we can we can we can we can guess to a good extent and we're evolved to be kind of that and if we're sitting at a desk job and suffering tremendous amounts of stress and like coming home and um you know watching like four hours of tv just to kind of relieve that stress doesn't exactly make sense like you need to kind of gravitate back towards what we're evolved to be or as close as you can guess or as close as what you can you know what, what you assume like natural is you know what a human being is and um as far as um, all the experiences that I had in my life from traveling, like, you know, I spent I spent like a month in the jungle in Colombia by myself because I was um, like I've, I had a lot of like issues about like what I looked like and, you know, issues with being alone and issues with needing things and being clingy and stuff like that. Now, my way of directly attacking that was just going into uh, going up into the jungle near Minca from uh where is it near santa marta santa santa marta up and in, up into the sierra nevada around there for like a month and just kind of like dealing with myself with no like tv and no nothing just like waking up every day and just dealing with myself what year was this um, this was uh 2014 maybe 2014 yeah 2014. okay well colombia wasn't as dangerous as it was no so. no 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 colombia is amazing now yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of my travels were also kind of just giving myself an environment where I could directly attack my bono. It's like, you know, no matter how confident I might have been about um, the way I handled myself in Japan's environment, if you get too used to that, like you might think that you're you're sweet, but you put yourself in, in, in Africa or in, you know, like Bolivia, or if you put yourself into sort of like a Middle Eastern sort of environment and you you want to still see that you can hold up under those conditions. You still want to see that, you know, like no matter how bono-less you think you are, are you still bono-less under those, you know, conditions, under those environments? And um, man, it, 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 yeah, like traveling just kind of was a way to test it. Like, like you always want to test yourself to see if you still have the bono, right? You always want to check yeah. and make sure, like no matter how good you think you're off, like, oh, my bono's gone. No, you got to check, you got to make sure. And sometimes putting yourself under different environments or under different states of consciousness is, is a way to make sure of that. I mean, if I if I smoke weed and all of a sudden flip out and get all angry and shit, then no, I probably haven't cleared all my bono. Or if I'm in mm. the middle of like um, India and ew, I'm like, oh, these dirty people, how could they do this? You know, like, you know, if I'm my bono is still there, man, like it's a very clear cut case, you know, so it's like occasionally it's it's it's, it's about uh, there's no reason why i can't live anywhere or be anywhere and be happy everywhere and i do love absolutely everywhere and every place has its advantages and disadvantages but like for me yeah more of the the journeys and experiences have been about checking to make sure that the bono are gone or discovering new ones that's and a, finding an environment to attack them that sounds like a good way to recognize it is is through judgments or resentments like if you if you see yourself or feel yourself judging things or people and that could be yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And there's still work yeah. to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like, it's the weirdest thing, you know, like, picking up that cockroach 10 times might relieve that. Like, it, it's weird how it's all connected. Like, you might, like, eradicating the weirdest little quirk or fear that you have. Like, there's no reason why you shouldn't love all, you know, food, drinks, like, you know, people have these likes and dislikes. They seem to define their personalities around. But what if you just liked it all? What if you liked all food? And what if you liked all drinks? And what if you like, you know, kind of all, you know, um, uh, religious, different types of religious people or ethnicities or, you know, you know, political stances or whatever, you know, like, what if you just like, fuck it? Yeah, just like everybody and like everything. You know, like, why would you have to hate specific things or why would you define your personality and what you dislike? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Oh, that's good advice, yeah, man, bingo, especially bingo. in this climate. We we're just talking about how much to, <laughs> how much to pay attention to the media or the fucking political climate right now. And, and it's like it's dragging me down. Right, yeah. Yeah. If you get too into it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially you, because you can't even use mushrooms to help clean the slate. You just got to fucking <laughs> meditate that shit out. I don't know. Yoga it away. <laughs> Definitely the woman's clothes down Main Street, man. That's where you're at. Or at least front, next live cast. I don't have to deal with that bono. Just I'm wear fine a dress on YouTube. I'm fine. I dressed, just up wear as, a dress on YouTube. I dressed up as a woman once in 1995 for Halloween, and that, that got rid of that bono. That's fine. My best buddies, my best buddy, right away when he saw me, he's like, Marie. He thought buddy, I was my I've mom. I've seen you fucking bonoing off the walls at the office. <laughs> Ready to bono your top. Are there, are there any like confessions though? Do you guys have like any specific bonos that you thought might have come up during this conversation? Yeah, fear of, con- fear of conflict a bit for me. Like, you okay. know, at, at, during work, during, you know, office time or uh, even even on the show, probably a little bit like fear. And I don't know where that's coming from. But With I mean, me specifically, no, no, okay. no, no, just just uh, in general, really. Like, I don't I try to avoid conflict for the most part. Right. I mean, I'll get, you know, I can defend myself and I can do all that kind of stuff or I can talk about certain things. I can get all excited about things. But in general, I don't know. Try to. Avoid that. Does the conflict so, bother you? Like, I mean, you, even if you avoid it, like, are you avoiding it because you just don't care or are you avoiding it because you're afraid of the conflict? Uh, it, I don't think I'm afraid. It just bothers me. It makes me uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Well, it shouldn't have to bother you. So that sucks. Yeah. They, they so I don't know how, but how do you, how do you get rid of that one? Do you start a fight, get in a fight? I mean, I could do that probably. No, but I mean, like, if, if people out. have issues, if people have problems, it's like, it shouldn't touch you, man. It should just completely wash over you. I mean, like, unless it's a survival issue, you know, like, which is instinct. I mean, you can't do much about that. But yeah, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. If it's not a direct survival, if, if like some guy's pissed off about you say, I don't know, like what, what happens at work? Like, you, well, it's you, even, you let's always, just say, okay, let's just say it's not even related to me. Let's say it's like even two people having a conflict and me watching even. But why would that bother you though? Well, that, cause I don't know. That's the, that's the big question. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah like i mean look i mean Sounds i think like you need to look at yourself to think <laughs> yeah i mean become a cage fighter <laughs> hmm. no 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 i'm joking i mean like if you if you look into yourself and if you can kind of find a reason for that like if you can it might be related to um some sort of fear of i don't know physical abuse or it might be a, some sort of fear of being disliked or not liked or it might be some sort of fear of, of you being dragged into and how your image is tainted and, and how you're worried about your image. So if somehow you attack your image or if somehow you attack like 
like you know like the expectation that people have on you somehow like if you just become that goofy court jester in the office that like everybody thinks is a little crazy but but is genuinely a nice guy you know somehow that conflict won't be as applicable to you like i i don't know exactly where that's coming from but there's a there's a couple of different directions you could go to kind of you know attack different other things and somehow you might find that that just disappears somehow. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, that's some good ideas. I mean, I did get in a couple of fights with friends in school, and I turned out it turned out like they both sort of like cheated cheated me to the point where then everybody thought like I lost or there was a problem with like a couple a couple high school fights with friends and uh, like you know where everybody gathers around and watches and that that could have like a, an effect on me now. And then, uh, sure. I yeah, mean, yeah. Keep on I mean, coming. Losing is <laughs> lo- fun. Eh? I mean, losing's losing's good times. I don't, I, people have issues with losing, and it's like this competitive edge. Like you got to win all the time. Like why, dude? Losing is like well, just no, as fun. It's usually but a I didn't really story. lose. Losing's it was a draw. A better story. Oh, here he goes. He's getting all defensive. He's getting all defensive. <laughs> I didn't lose. <laughs> it was a tie. It was a draw. But he, but he, he lied and said, you know, that I lost and that he won, right? So it was one of those things. Like it was like a injustice to me, right? So maybe that's right. what it yeah, was. Right? I, yeah, I lost, motherfucker. Yeah, dude, I fucking oh, lost that fight. I fucking bad. lose all the time. I suck at shit. I lost yeah, the other. I, I lost. Man. I lost the other one. I lost the other one for sure. The guy was like twice my size. It was tough. So he threw me around like a rag doll. I think. So does that counteract fake it till you make it, or can you still do that? Does that count somehow? You, what's the fake? Fake it till you make it. What's that? That's where you just like convince yourself you're good. You can. You've got something figured out until you sort of figure it out. I've done it at work with like when I was when I was more inexperienced. I remember like looking at drawings, like and my yeah. boss being like, "You got it," and I'm like, "Oh yeah, man, I got it." <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like off in the corner, like, "What the fuck is this thing?" Yeah. I but think then you works. eventually figure it. it out. I mean, now I, now you, you'd have a hard time throwing a drawing past me that I couldn't figure out. Yeah, even in the recovery community and stuff, fake it, fake it till you make it. I mean, there's been the spiritual community. Like, that is sort of a thing, right? I mean, through a te- intention and stuff, you can you can get wow. there uh, get there by, you know, sort of failing as you go along, right? Just faking it. Seems like a dangerous game, though, because you might just come become reliant on faking it. And just fake it forever. Like you might as well just be completely what if I'm honest. Doing like, that yeah, now. You know, I fucked it up, and yeah, yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> so how do you get rid of that? Maybe point? I'm already so stuck I, in a fake. But not be loop. stressed about it necessarily. You know, just like shit. But there's probably you know? a fear there, right? A fear of like you don't want to admit that you, you you don't know those drawings, or you don't want to admit failure. So there's a fear of failure there, Darren, for you. So you're faking it. I do have a fear because you're a bono sure. of failure. So how yeah. do you how do you get rid of that bono? What, I tried to fail. I'm failing at podcasting. Go ahead and just fail. <laughs> fail at everything. Purposely <laughs> lose every game you play with all your friends. Purposely fucking get rejected by every woman you see. I mean, like, yeah, just fail. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, yeah, the fake it's I don't know about that, eh? I don't know. The, uh, it might it might be it might be a way for some people, but I I uh, fake it till you make it. Nah, doesn't doesn't resonate with me. I haven't really thought about it, but I would huh. definitely go along the honesty route about yeah no look I'm not I'm but not I'm able just to saying, do that. I can't read that I don't know what's going but on. But that's but that's a big part of it. The honesty part is a big part of it because the more you're honest about about your shit, and because I mean I've had to work on this for a while, right? A few years now. But more I think the more you're honest about it, the more you're not going to worry about what people think. And I think the more genuine honesty you can kind of live by, I think there's less bono attached to it. 
There's less shame. Yeah, there's less. There, there sure. for, if you go to a job interview, most people are not going to be 100 percent honest about you know their experience in their resume. You know, if they ask you, "Hey, do you know this uh, computer program?" You probably say, "Yeah, sure, sure." You know, I'm very familiar with it. Just to try to get into that job, you are 100 percent honest. You know, some employee employers might, uh, you know, uh, be you grateful for that honesty, but some might say, "Well, you know, some employers might you. wait." Yeah. yeah, but you could look at it that if you don't, you don't, you don't want to work there. Then if they're if they're not going to hire you for your honesty, then fuck it. You know, you could look at that bigger picture like that as well. Well, there's this, this whole thing about this society and the corporate world, you know. Feeding on the bono, you know, corporations are uh, tend to be very deceptive. You know, if you go to to if you go to a, a, a to a, a car dealer, you know, and say, hey, you know, is this model better than your competitor competitors? They will say, yeah, sure. You know, this is the, the the car you're looking for. You know, this this is the one you want. You know, they're not going to be 100 honest and say, you know what. You're probably going to want to buy, you know, the car that they're selling the other company. Yeah. Oh, we the, the, did we lose uh, record? We might oh. have lost a card. Something. Yeah, he, it looks frozen or something. Yeah, and and the quality of your yeah, but the, yeah, but the, Brad, that doesn't make it right though, right? Just because you you bump in all these people, just because you bump in all these people that are dishonest through corporations or salesmen or whatever, like that doesn't mean you can't live leave and uh, live <clears throat> live an honest life to that point, you know? Sure. It's like, for example, uh, fake it for uh, till you make it uh, argument. I mean, uh, the first time someone asked me, they can you do me a, a, a I don't know, a cover for a book. I was say, yeah, sure I can, you know. I, w- I wouldn't be 100% honest maybe of saying, you know, I have no fucking idea of how to do that. Um, you have to kind of like uh, saying, well, you know, I'll, I'll say yes and I'll figure it out as I go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, uh, that's the fine line, I guess, between a little bit of faking it, but not really outright lying, right? Yeah, I, I don't know the answer, you know. Confidence. I, I mean, what, what's why can't you why can't you call that confidence, right? Why can't you just be confident that you're going to make it work? Well, because sometimes it's different. I mean, among creative people, I think there's a lot of lack of confidence. A lot of see. I feel like it's the opposite. Very, no, well, not in my case. I, I guess it's. I feel like all the creative every, people every are. Time, every time I start a project, I think that I'm not going to be able to to do it or finish it. It's not until you know I'm in the process of it, and I say, you know what, you know, yeah, I'm doing it, and uh, I'll I'll be able to finish it. Hmm. I feel like creative people time, are the opposite; like, like they're, they're like, always you know, confident. You're, yeah, it's like you're climbing a mountain. You know, you 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 look up and you say, "Bob, fuck." Uh, how am I going to, you know, climb this motherfucker? You know, you probably have to lie to yourself and say, yeah, well, you know, just one step at a time. But then you get up the mountain so you weren't lying to yourself. So that's how the fake it till you make it works, because you made it, so you weren't faking it. You were, you had it all along. 
Well, it's yeah, looking probably, like I'm not able to get Ricard back. Exactly, right? Probably you had it all along. You had to kind of like uh, lie to yourself a little bit, made a, a bit of self-deception, you know, in order to realize that yeah, you 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 could do it all along. You had the confidence all along. I don't know. Yeah, that's it's, interesting. Uh, yeah, are, are we going to be able to? Uh, no, I've tried a few times. I think we'll just wrap it up. Yeah. Big thanks to Ricard for coming on the show. Uh, yes, this was amazing, guys. And actually, I listened to the show in, in which you... Um, uh, read the email? Read the email. Oh, and wow. I said, this guy, is, this guy is interesting. Now, how interesting that I managed to, to, to <laughs> speak to him. I think that, you know, I I think that he mentioned in the in the email that he wouldn't be able to write a book or something. Well... Maybe maybe writing is not his approach, but I bet that someone like him could be able to like maybe create a YouTube a YouTube channel or something. And, yeah, t- teach on the and, YouTube. Yeah, yeah, because I think that he has a lot of this these things that he was talking about resonated with me, and I think that you know if he manages to get in contact with someone like Chris Ryan, I think that Chris Ryan will also be uh, you know. Agree with a lot of the things that he's uh, uh, discussing here, and, and also, and as a, a sideway, guys, uh, don't you think that Ricard looks a lot like uh, Doctor John Ward? No, like, no, no, I not really. He almost looks like a, like a John Ward's like younger brother, <laughs> and I mean mean this as a compliment. I yeah, no, he he reminds me of somebody else, but I can't I can't place it right now. Oh, yeah, Habib. Well. No, 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 no. I, The love I, I, child of Connor Habib and John Ward. I think oh we better God. wrap this up before it gets too carried away. American listeners to put, you know, one screenshot of Ricard along alongside a, 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 John a photo of John Ward, and I'm sure people will, some people will, will agree with me. All right, I guess we'll see. Like I can say, big thanks to Ricard for coming on the show. Um, we'll find out if there's any info or website he wants us to plug. We'll plug it next intro. And we'll have it in the show notes for this episode, of course. Um, yeah, big thanks. Ricard, come back anytime. Uh, what else we got? Check out America.ca slash support, guys. Check out all the ways you can help us keep uh, kind of growing. Yeah. And any- having these chats without any commercials or fuck all and kind of being able to do whatever we want. Yeah. And we have an extra content the feed now, the Black Budget support feed. And to do that, you donate anything, right? Any monthly donation, any... One time donation. If I get an email from PayPal, then I just send away. Yeah. Whether it's a one time donation or a new subscriber or, you know, uh, we can figure it out for sure. Everything's in the notes contact information, PO box, emails. Yeah. Yeah. Also, don't forget that, you know, people can follow Grimerica on Facebook or also on Minds. There's also a Grimerica subreddit. Go there and you know check it out and maybe you know contribute there. You know, link to to, to interesting info. Actually, that's yeah, a good point. Right? I gotta I gotta start CA. putting all those links in the show notes now. Yeah, that'd too. be reddit.com/slash r/slash America, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah. We're on, we're on Gab too, so there's a bunch of different networks that we're on right now, and we'll uh, we'll see how long it lasts. But we're just trying to, uh, yeah, just sort of with all the censorship everywhere else as well. We're trying to spread out a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. And like I say, the donations help. They help us do this. We tried our first video cast tonight. We're able to do things like that. Yeah. So yeah, check out Grimerica.ca slash support, guys. 
and jump on a monthly if you can. Do it one time if you can. If you can't do that, you can share the show, review the show, spam, gram, sign up for the newsletter, sign strangers up for the newsletter, and you can always check out grabamerica.ca slash swag to get your America gear. Uh, yeah. Anything else? That's about it. All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.